operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. All right, we are back in Better Than Ever Comic Revolution Podcast. As always, by my side, the front of stair to my Ginger Rogers, Steven. I'm going to have all the youths running to the Wikipedia to figure that Ooh, reference out. <laughs> and, and people wonder, why, why did Rock take Ginger Rogers? Why didn't he make himself front of stair? I will tell you why, because there's a saying, Steven, about the famous duo. They were in... Many productions together, and uh, the famous saying is, you know, Fred Astaire got all the, obviously he, he's the bigger name of the two, uh, uh, throughout history, more people know the name Fred Astaire than Ginger Rogers, and, you know, the saying was that, yeah, well, Ginger Rogers had to do everything Fred Astaire did, but backwards and in heels. Hmm. So, think about that. Ginger Rogers, incredibly talented. Yes, she was. Indeed. Mm-hmm. So, Stephen... What are you saying about me? <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. I was getting a compliment by being called Fred Astaire, and now not so much. <laughs> uh, uh, as always, you can check us out online at comicbookrevolution.com for all the news and reviews. You can check us out on Twitter at CB Revolution. Steven, you can even check us out on Instagram. Kevin loves Instagram. I'm fine with it. It's not my favorite thing in the world. I just, I don't know, I just, I have limited hours in the day. I just can't seem to fit all the things in that I want to fit in. It's probably because I have two kids that really like to monopolize my time, Stephen. They're mm-hmm. very rude about that fact. But you can check us out on Instagram, The Comic Book Revolution. And Kevin really is the one that hel- helms up that, that area, but he does good stuff there. Mm-hmm. And you can check me out on Twitter, at Rock2Ks Revolution. Stephen, you... And you can check me out on Twitter at President Glover. I would give you my Instagram, but no. You're going to have to work for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, Stephen, uh, last night was a huge night in the sports world for Virginia. Mm-hmm. Stephen and I are both native, born and bred and raised Virginians. Mm-hmm. And last night, the University of Virginia beat those dirty scoundrels from Auburn. <laughs> And advance to the NCAA championship game against that, you know, that basketball powerhouse with the storied fr- uh, history, Texas Tech. <laughs> what? <laughs> Anyhow, it's UVA, the beloved Cavaliers versus Texas Tech. I was thrilled. It made me happy. I've always been a UVA fan. Mm-hmm. Like any good Virginian, you should root for Virginia, not Virginia Tech. Well, you want to root for teams that win. Oh! <laughs> and what makes me doubly happy is that all the Virginia Tech fans have to just eat this. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Because you know how much Virginia Tech has won? Nothing. Ever. Yeah. Period. Not in football. Not in baseball. Not in basketball. Mm-hmm. UVA, though, they've won in baseball. They already yeah. won the World Series. Uh, College World Series in baseball. Now we're going to go for a basketball championship. Steven, you know what's great is, and, and I really I hope they win, just so all the Virginia Tech fans have to eat it. <laughs> It's going to be great. You're going to see UVA gear everywhere, and the tech fans go, You know, Stephen, what's going to happen is uh, my dream is both my boys end up going to UVA. That's Mm -hmm. my dream. And now, because of what I've said, neither of them are going to get into UVA, and they're both going to be at Virginia Tech. 
Uh, this is gonna, what's going to happen to me, Steven. I was going to say, they're both going to be at ODU, so they're still going to be here. <laughs> oh, no, because then they'll be living in my house. They must leave my house after high school. Okay. All right, anyhow. And the other thing that happened last night that really depressed me, Steven, I'm watching, uh, you know, it's baseball season now. Mm-hmm. I am a diehard Orioles fan. Mm. The O's have always been the team of Virginia because there was no team in D.C., at least when I was growing up, there was no mm-hmm. team in D.C. I know the Nationals have been there for, well, I don't know, a decade mm-hmm. or so, or maybe a little bit. I don't know. But anyhow, yeah. for my for my childhood, it was the Orioles, So, <laughs> and the Orioles were damn good. Uh, they have not been good for a, a few years now. But what killed me is we have this bum. We have this bum Chris Davis we're paying like $116 million to. A stupid amount of money, because back in 2016, he was actually, you know, like a home run king, right? Mm-hmm. And then suddenly he sucked. And this guy hasn't gotten a hit since September of last year, Stephen. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching the game against the hated Stankies. Nobody likes the Yankees. Nobody. And we, I mean, outside of New York and yeah. bandwagon fans. Um, so I'm watching them play the Yankees. And at the bottom of the eighth, Stephen, they're down six to four. Bases are loaded for the Orioles. Two outs, bases loaded. And guess who comes to play? Ah, oh, that bum, Davis. And what does he do? He strikes out for like the 18th billionth time in a row. I'm like, he's killing me, Steven. And he costs a lot of money. I'm like, really? Really? He should be where we are, Steven, down here playing for the Norfolk Tides. (laughs) 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 The AAA farm team for the Orioles. This is where he should be. Anyhow, those are my sports rants, Steven. Yeah. I would say, I would say, oh, so he's like the RG3, but there's no excuse for him sucking. Right, exactly. The Redskins broke RG three. He that, just that's sucks. right. That's right. No one, can, no one can explain why Davis doesn't hit anymore. Bizarre. Anyhow, uh, Stephen, this podcast is not a sports podcast, believe it or not. Actually, we have some comic books to review, and an interesting slate of comics. We are a little Marvel heavy this week because DC had a tiny week this week. Made me sad. Very small week. Marvel had a big week. Not a surprise. Marvel always has a big week because they <laughs> yeah. publish like a billion comics. Yeah. So this week, Stephen, we're a little bit Marvel heavy. I and there were two comics I couldn't resist reviewing because there was a number one issue on the cover, and Stephen is just shaking his head. He is not happy with me. That's not the reason, <laughs> and you know it. At least for one of them, <laughs> for science, Stephen. This is all for science mm, and the course. podcast. Uh, from DC, Stephen, we did have a nice selection of comics. Mm-hmm. Tiny but quality. Sure. Justice League number twenty-one. Yay! Everyone likes Justice Yay. League. And then Brian Bendis' Young Justice number four. We'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. And from Marvel, Stephen, we loaded up. We got Marvel's newest big event, The War of the Realms number one. Mm-hmm. A lot of number one issues for Marvel. Three. And then we had Major X. Yes, Stephen. It's the return of Rob Liefeld. <sighs> and also, Marvel team up. Featuring Spider-Man, yay, and Miss Marvel, number one. (laughs) Well, half is good. And then last but not least, Stephen, because we've not reviewed this title in a long time, and I figured let's hop in it now because we all know that Jonathan Hickman is coming to save the X-Men franchise Mm -hmm. this summer, so I figured we need to get ourselves up to speed in what's going on in the world of the X-Men, mm-hmm. because we are for sure reviewing uh, Hickman's X-Men. Yes. No doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uncanny X-Men number 15. Oh. All right, my friend. Mm-hmm. Since we only have two DC titles, let's just 
knock those two out right now, shall he we? He lied to me and said we were going to review Green Lantern. I did, I did, so. and then I dropped it in favor for adding Marvel Team on number one. <laughs> I just cites a number one issue, Steven. See, Grant, this is how much he actually cares about you. <laughs> Everybody knows I'm going to adore Grant Morrison comic. Nobody needs to hear that. Mm. I, I've, I've already waxed poetic and slobbered all over the mic for Grant Morrison. But have you talked about Grant Morrison when he's writing Adam Strange? <laughs> I, don't. I don't think so. No, no. And I, I will say Green Lantern is a fantastic title. It really is a great title. It is absolutely worth buying. Grant Morrison oh, yeah. is is just, he's just kicking ass. He is He's delivering vintage Grant Morrison superhero stories. And it's, it, even if you're, don't worry, it's not, it's not crazy Grant Morrison. It's not no. like he's, you know, it, like some of Grant Morrison's Vertigo work. It's not like that. But it's if, not Final Crisis. It's not like oh, it's not even like Final Crisis, which I loved, okay. which I adored. Yeah. But but it's not like Final Crisis. It's not it's not that impenetrable. It's more like his Justice League. Yeah, I'd say it's a little a little more complicated than Justice yeah. League. Yeah, but not. It's still very. But not Final like, Crisis complicated. Oh yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely worth reading. Yes. Absolutely. absolutely. Very surprisingly, each issue I've read is surprisingly new reader friendly. Like they it's, actually kind yeah. of recap things. I'm like. Grant Morrison doesn't do that. I know. That's <laughs> actually pretty surprising for a Grant Morrison title, isn't it? Yes, it is. I know. It's, it's, it's crazy. Who knew? Yeah. Uh, all right, Stephen. <laughs> Let's kick this off. Justice League number 21, shall we? Sure. This issue brought to us by the creative team of Scott Snyder mm-hmm. and Jorge Jimenez doing the plots, Snyder doing the script, Jorge Jimenez doing the art, and Alejandro Sanchez doing the colors. Mm-hmm. So in this one, Stephen, we have our Justice League. They're still in the sixth dimension. We begin with sixth dimension Superman uh, getting punched around by our Superman. Mm-hmm. And then sixth dimension Superman's like, <laughs> this tickles. And with one finger, blocks Superman's punch, grabs Superman's wrist, and just blam into the ground. Pile drives him into the ground. Mm-hmm. And sixth dimension Superman's like, look, you're going to live here for the rest of your life. There's a little garden on the other side of this little rock. You can have everything you want. I've got you trapped here. This is a pocket universe that I've created. Pocket universe. Pocket universe. That's like when the Legion of Superheroes, when they retconned them after uh, Crisis of Infinite Earths back in 86, yeah. and they created a pocket universe uh, to explain Superboy away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it's like every fourth Fantastic Four story. Yep, yep, yeah. yep, yep. <laughs> and so, uh, and evidently he's done this to the, Six Dimension Superman has done this to all the Supermen from all the various multiple universes, you know, because Superman evidently is to is to blame. He's the cause of the, of the mm-hmm. you know, Perpetua wiping everything out. So to save every multiple universe, you have to then banish their Superman at this location where they live out their life and then die. There you go. And then Six Dimension Superman takes off. Gone. We cut to future Gotham. It's bright. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. We see that Arkham Asylum was torn down, and on its plot of land, they built the Pennyworth home, and it's run by Barbara Gordon. It's a place where people suffering from physical infirmities can get rehab. Mm-hmm. And we learn that Tim Drake works for the city of Gotham, that Damien is on global patrol with <laughs> Jonathan Kent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Duke, I don't know who that is, works with kids at Pennyworth's home. Mm-hmm. And Jason Todd, well, he's him. I like that even in the utopia, even in utopia <laughs> Gotham where everything is perfect, Jason Todd still screwed up. Mm, there you go. That just, I, I love that. That's a, that's a constant. That's yeah. a good thing. 
<laughs> and so Bruce Wayne's like, this just this doesn't seem to make sense. He's still really amazed by it, by everything. And he goes, but it feels good. It feels really good. And suddenly, Marshall Manhunter's voice is in Bruce's brain. He goes, time for a meet me in the psychic boardroom. Now. Boom. And we transferred to the psychic boardroom and all the jail layers are there. And Marshall Manhunter reveals what he's learned from Shane, that it's all a bad, horrible nightmare. And that they're in trouble and they need to escape. And then suddenly our Justice Leaguers can't move. And boom, who appears on the scene but Six Dimension Superman. Mm-hmm. Oh, dear. <laughs> and they are, our Justice Leaguers ask, where's Superman? And Six Dimension Superman says, he's safe. And then Six Dimension Superman goes, look, I need all you guys to work with me. I wanted to try to, I created this perfect world for you guys to be calm so you would listen to me and want to join me. But I want to work as a team because, you know, without us as a team, we can't stop Perpetua. Mm-hmm. And then he reveals that he is not Superman, he's actually the son of Perpetua, the brother to the Monitor and the Anti-Monitor. He is the World Forger. Dun, dun, dun. Bum, bum, bum. <clears throat> and then we cut back to Earth. We see monster-sized Mr. Mixelplit rampaging. And Jaro attempts to connect to his mind. And Jaro goes, uh-oh. Mixelplit in this form isn't creating imagina- imaginary things into reality. That's what he normally does. He's doing the opposite. Now he is imagining everything, unimagining everything in existence. So making mm-hmm. everything disappear. And it's kind of cool because he's like a pencil. Yeah. <laughs> Very an- Grant Morrison Animal Man-esque. So you see a pencil like re- <laughs> undrawing the scene yep. and the pencil shattering. It's very cool. We cut back to the Justice Leaguers talking to the World Forger. And he's making his best pitch on how they all have to team up in order to stop Perpetua and save the multiverse. Mm-hmm. And... You know, uh, and to do so, they have to strike first and incapacitate all the people who would rise against them. So basically, they have to like kind of do like the reverse, th- uh, like uh, like kind of like the Thanos situation, where Thanos has to like snap and make half the universe disappear, mm-hmm. right, in order to create balance. That the Justice Leaguers have to basically go out and take on, you know, like half of the multiverse, wipe them out before they ever rise up against them. So it's kind of mm-hmm. Thanos, kind of Minority Report. Yeah. Except it's a lot more work than Thanos. A lot more work. Exactly. (laughs) So, uh, and the Justice League is not comfortable with wiping people out who haven't actually done anything yet. Mm -hmm. The whole Minority Report conundrum. Yes. And so the World Forger gets pissed. and He's like, you know, you idiots are ruining the multiverse that I built. You're going to let Perpetua destroy everything. And the the Justice League is like, we just can't do this. We We just can't do it. Right. And uh, they said, just be wrong. It'd be wrong. All of them vote that it would be wrong, except for one, Batman. He's mm. like, you know what? This actually is the smartest move. And we, you know, In our whole battle since Barbados, we take one step forward, two states back. Face it, we're losing. Stakes are too high. And we need to be proactive. So yeah, this is actually perfect, Stephen. Of mm. all the Justice Leaguers, it does make sense. Yeah. Batman is the one who would absolutely agree with World Forager's plan. Yeah. He really would. Mm-hmm. This is great character work showing how, despite the long history, despite the common bonds and friendships, that in the end, Batman walks alone. Mm-hmm. And he's a good teammate, and he's not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He, he, and it's, I think it's super important that anyone who writes Justice League fully understands the role Batman plays within it of being rogue. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. a great teammate, but at the same time, 
He's a horrible teammate. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, he's not going to purposely screw you over, but, you know, he yeah. he's going to do his own thing. Yeah. and By um, any means necessary. And it's interesting because it seemed like Barry Allen and Jon Stewart were, like, playing into the idea, but at the end, they're like, oh, we can't do it, but Batman can. Exactly. Uh, this was a, again, Snyder just showing he's got a really good grasp on all the characters' personalities. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, despite how big and epic and action-packed and grand and cosmic this tale has been, at the end of the day, Snyder really is focused on quality character work to mm-hmm. drive the whole story, which is really nice. Yeah. You could easily just forget, glossed over that part and just focused on the big, grand, cosmic stuff, you mm-hmm. know? So, anyhow... Uh, the World Forger goes, oh, you will regret not following me and teaming up with me. So he disappears, and so do all the members of the Justice League. Now, Stephen, walk with me here and tell me if I'm imagining this. We then see the Justice League. We see uh, Kendra, John Stewart, Wonder Woman, Martian Manhunter, Barry Allen, and Shane, right? Mm-hmm. All right, uh, 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 Teleporting into Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. That's not good. That's bad. <laughs> hey, Steven, who do we not see in that shot? Uh-oh. There's no Batman. Nope. So Batman did get teleported away from the psychic boardroom, mm-hmm. but he didn't end up in Apocalypse with the rest of the Justice League, so he's probably teleported to wherever the World Forger teleported to. Maybe? Mm-hmm. Perhaps. Perhaps. Maybe teleported back to Gotham. But, or very or to yeah, very interesting though. Yes, very interesting that that Batman didn't get sent to Apocalypse with the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. And what's important is that they never mention it. So if you're not paying attention, you would just assume that he's there. Yeah, which again, really good storytelling by Snyder. Mm-hmm. Really good subtle storytelling. Let the reader pick it up or not. Yep. But don't draw attention to it. That's that's really good job. Mm-hmm. And we see on Apocalypse, all the criminals are being held in Apocalypse. So there's the answer to Batman's question. Where did you do all the criminals, right? Because yep. there were none in their little utopia. Well, they're all <laughs> on the in the fire pits of Apocalypse. Yep. That's no good. And suddenly out of nowhere, some armored soldiers arrive. And they attack the Just Leaguers. And they say, and uh, you know, because Martian Manhunter's like, we got to find Superman and get out of here. And then the armored soldiers show up, blast them, and say, Superman's gone forever. I know, because I'm the one who destroyed him. And I destroyed all of them. And you guys will never escape from here. And Marshman Manhunter's like, well, we're not your enemies. We're the Justice League. We're not your enemies. And then the lead armored figure removes her helmet, and it is Lois Lane. Whoa. And she runs this place. Wow. A little swerve there. Uh, Steven, yeah. Justice League 21. What do you think? Um, I'm... Um, I'm at a loss for good things to say yes. because it's once again another very interesting and in, intense and just wow issue. Um it totally sounds it sounds like such a you know a I guess like a backhanded compliment, but it's not. Like, no it's, I know it, what you mean. It's man, um I mean I because I we have we have a mutual friend who doesn't quite who prefers it when Tinian is writing as opposed to Snyder. I'm the exact opposite. Yeah, I am too, because <laughs> I really love all just the big idea stuff. Yes. It's yes. the stuff that reminds me of like, you know, the classic Justice League stories yeah. and yeah. the Morrison Justice League and stuff Absolutely. like that. And um, I really, really like this. It rem- I mean, of course, it, it 
calls to mind, you know, like Hickman's Secret Wars stuff, mm-hmm. like leading up to that. But mm-hmm. I just, I really like the way that Snyder has, as ever since the beginning of Justice League, you know, really painted the Justice League into a corner that we're not sure that they can get out of, which is very rare because it's the Justice League. Of right. course they're going to win. Right. Um, I love that out of all the people who ruins everything that it's Superman, mm-hmm. you know, because he would never go along with the world forger's plan. He yeah. inspires people. Of course he would be the one. Um, I love that it was every Superman. Right. Um, what, and that the world forger at the beginning took, was took him aside and tried to explain because out of respect for Superman, which right. as a fan is like, of, of course it's Superman. Of course you're going to show him some respect. Yep. Um, and the stuff with uh, just the individual characters, I thought was interesting because that boardroom scene is very is very good because mm-hmm. you see everybody's perspective, and I mean the person who has the most to gain obviously is Batman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yes. I mean, everybody else is. It's like, well, you know, uh, Central City, um, wherever John Stewart lives, the mascara. It's like, yeah, I mean these can be improved, sure. but it's not really. A bad place. They weren't hellholes. Exactly. <laughs> not like not like Gotham. Right. And and you have the ant like Batman. He sacrifices himself. He has a good death. His mm-hmm. children carry on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know so that really explains what he what he's all about. And I know you know in the wake of the other Snyder's comments about well Batman kills in real life blah 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 blah, blah. he would do this it's the like, bad Snyder Zack Snyder yeah <laughs> I could see some people going what a Batman would never approve of doing all this I'm like well he I think after seeing oh, no. all that he yeah. probably would I think given the situation he would yeah and mm-hmm. I mean because it's kind of ironic because at near the beginning he was the one talking about you know we have to stick together yep there's hope when we're together yep and now after everything that's happened he's finally gone ah on second thought. Yeah. <laughs> and I think him being teleported away obviously is going to lead to him being the one who saves the Justice League. Yeah. Because it's Batman it's and Batman. Batman's awesome. Right. But he always gets the hero shot. <laughs> exactly. But I think I think it makes more sense. Like something's going to have to happen for him to realize that no, this is wrong. Right. And I have to save my teammates. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I like the the little one two page scene with mix mixes mixes Pilik Mixelflick Mixelflick. Yeah. Um, because once again, uh, Jaro is just amazing. Jaro! <laughs> he's he's Absolutely. working on his one liners. Yes. And Starman has to say, "Stop working on your one liners." <laughs> it's perfect. And the line of. Oh, Dad will love that one. <laughs> yes. Uh, Jaro again gets the best dialogue. <laughs> Um, nope. And, um, we still, still don't know who the, who the, the imp is that Luther and them have. I was hoping we'd see that. Me too. That'd be the end. I was a little disappointed in that. Yeah. I've heard that some, I've heard some speculation that it might be Batmite. Yep. And that, which, which Which would certainly make sense. No doubt. No doubt. Um, I'm trying to, I mean, and Jorge Menes' art is great as always. Absolutely. Um, I do just enjoy the show from, well, yeah, you're going to like the really bright, positive future, but no, Apocalypse still sucks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It always sucks. And, uh, and the last reveal was pretty, was pretty cool too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially that, you know, she was the one that apparently killed him and killed all the Superman. Right. Um, I like that. I like the world forger as a character. I think he's very 
interesting. Interesting agree. in a way that the monitor and the anti-monitor are not. Totally agree. Yes. Um, correct. Because they're written like, I mean, the monitor is written like, you know, like a, I don't know, like a, kind of like a bland yeah. character. And the anti-monitor is like a Galactus. Correct. For right. all it's worth. Right. But he's like, you know, look, I built this place. And he even says, like, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to assimilate this universe onto yours. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, whatever happens, happens. It's the one where we, we won and justice has come through and blah, 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 blah. Right. Which is fairly compelling. All the people, you know, who um, who made it <laughs> through yeah. the Justice League's purge will right. survive into this one. Right. And it, I don't know. He he's he doesn't seem like a bad guy to me. No, not at all. He's just doing what he has to do. Yeah. And I totally understand do that. Do what you got to do sometimes to win. That's right. And um, I don't know. It was just very... Lots of interesting stuff going on. Yes. Once again, I ha- want to see how it all plays out. And I'm still not quite certain what it is that they're looking for in the sixth dimension. Like, right. I know the Legion of Doom, some energy is in there. But um, I'm excited to find out. I, I agree, Stephen. I thought this was a really good issue. Again, Scott Snyder is just fantastic, Stephen, at, at plotting a complex storyline and juggling lots of characters and lots of plot lines. He's really, really good at it. I mean, I put Snyder up there with Hickman and Johns uh, mm-hmm. and, and Morrison as the four writers who know how to plot complex storylines with lots of characters and lots of plot lines and mm-hmm. handle it perfectly. I think those four are by far and away the best yeah. currently writing. And in this as well, Snyder also does a great job dealing with big concepts. He does a great job with uh, giving this an epic, epic grand scope and feel. He just handles big stuff really well. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, he handles the little stuff excellent as well. The character work, the dynamic between all the Justice Leaguers, it's really well written. Everyone has their own unique personality, their own unique voice. And Snyder does a great it's, – it's like, what can this guy not do? He's doing the little stuff fantastic. He's doing the big stuff fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's really impressive. It's hard to do both. And more often, more often than not, writers excel in, in one or the other, to yeah. be honest. It's not a lot of writers that can do both, and those are the truly great writers. Mm-hmm. And right. he can do both. It, again, it's just the story moves forward in such a logical fashion. It, you can tell it's just so – intelligently plotted and each scene just builds off each other seamlessly you know and and you feel like Snyder is driving with clear purpose in mind you never get the feeling that he's wandering or that he's written himself into a corner or that he's meandering or navel gazing you just don't get that you know you just don't get that with Snyder this story moves and it moves forward with a purpose and so the plot and pacing is fantastic. Character work is just fantastic. I like his dialogue. Again, all the characters have real. Even the World Forger has his own unique external voice. Mm-hmm. Everyone is so well developed in personality. And the World Forger, I really, really like him. I'm with you. I find him more compelling and more interesting than Monitor and the Anti Monitor by far. The Anti Monitor, you you nailed it. He's Galactus. Yeah. He's Galactus. So that, that that is what it is. It, it's, <laughs> not, it's not good or bad. I mean, it, but sure. That. Style character is going to be limited in far as far as the personality and how interesting you find them, right? Yeah. And the Monitor is more um, like the Watcher from yeah, Marvel Comics, that's true. Mm-hmm. where okay, yeah, he talks, but he's kind of has like this bland, uh, very passive yeah. personality. He never really affects anything. He's just he's there to to warn and to witness, and that's about <laughs> it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas the World Forger <laughs> is more of an active force. Mm-hmm. 
He is more proactive. So he uh, that makes him more interesting mm-hmm. uh, than, than the monitor. Yes. And he has more of an investment in what's going on. So I, I really like his character, and he's not a bad character. I like that he's he's a good character, but and sometimes the good things you I mean you know like for example in World War II we dropped two nuclear nuclear bombs on Japan that is a bad thing mm-hmm. but to end war and to save American lives it was the right thing mm-hmm. and you know between the Axis and the Allied we were the good guys. Because mm-hmm. we weren't killing a whole bunch of people yeah. <laughs> in concentration camps. So, I mean, you know, so even in a good, it's war. Yeah. It, quote Hades. Well, you know, it's war. You know, people, people die and stuff mm-hmm. uh, yeah. from uh, Hercules. <laughs> uh, you know, it's war. They're in war. Mm-hmm. And so Wolf Forger's acting appropriately, yeah. even for the good guy. And I like that Batman keys into that. Mm-hmm. So, again, I just think it's really well. And it's a great hook ending. You got our team transported to to Apocalypse. Lois Lane is revealed to be the leader on Apocalypse and that she killed all the Superman. Mm-hmm. It's like, bam, bam, two big shocking twists. And for the cunning reader, you've picked up that Batman's not there. Yep. So, I mean, Steven, that is a fantastic hook ending with a subtle aspect to Batman not being there. You got to pick up on that on your own. Mm-hmm. And the more like, boom, Lois Lane in your face hook. I, that's really good writing. Yes, on both is. levels. And I agree with you, Jorge Jimenez is a fantastic artist. Mm-hmm. He's excellent. It's a beautiful looking issue. And um, I mean, what, what, what can you say? He does great <laughs> He does great facial expressions. So the dialogue heavy scenes are really good. He does awesome action scenes. Yes. He does dynamic splash shots. <laughs> He's a great artist. Really good artist. Oh, yeah. And once again, of course, the star of the show is Jaro. Yeah, I just want to put that out there. <laughs> Jaro, still the, the star. Get it? Star of the show? Starfish? Yes. Okay, Stephen. How would you oh grade? Oh my god! <laughs> How would you grade out Justice League number twenty-one? Um, I will give the I'll give the writing an eight. Mm-hmm. I'll give the art an eight, and I will give your pun a one. Oh, damn! <laughs> like Star said, never send a star man to do a starfish's job. That's right. And so I will give the story uh, straight eights. Eight nickels out of ten for the writing. Eight nickels out of ten for the st- uh, art as well. Stephen, mm-hmm. you and I are in full agreement on that one. Right. All right, my friend. The other comic from DC, it is under the Wonder Comics banner. It's Young Justice number four. You and I have been reading this title. Mm-hmm. I actually read issues one and two, skipped three. Oh. I just I just have so many comics to read, I just didn't get to number three. So <laughs> I missed number three. Sure. I don't know if you skipped it or not, if you've been reading all three. Um, but I can tell you, skipping three, I didn't miss anything, Stephen. I didn't feel lost at all. I felt like, okay, so we pretty much ended up where we were at the end mm-hmm. issue number two. I wasn't so good for me. There you go. Not so good mm. if you've been reading it from one, two, and three. Yeah. This issue is brought to us uh, Brian Michael Bendis doing the script, and Patrick Gleason and John Timms doing the art, mm-hmm. Alejandro Sanchez and Alex Sinclair doing the colors. We begin, Stephen, in some sort of prison where Amethyst is being held, and she's talking to some faceless fellow prisoner. We don't know who it is, do we? Or did you pick up on who it was? It's one of the Young Justice it's, people. I don't know who it well, is. Well, we don't know who, right? Yeah. Okay. Stephen, I mean, am I wrong? It's three pages, and basically, you just recap the three prior issues. Basically, Opal is trying to take over the gem world. Mm-hmm. But we get three pages of it. It's just, it's on and on, Stephen. It's mm-hmm. like, oh my god. It just, it's, ugh. 
three pages on it. You know, it's like yeah. get to the point already. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind a one page recaps even. One page recap is awesome. But a three-page one with lots of mind... I mean, it's just that mindless banter where you're like, I go, okay. <laughs> and then we flash back to yesterday with uh, the Gem Council. Or, no, who is that? That's Turquoise, sorry. Uh, Turquoise being attacked by some of Opal's men, and Amethyst is there to help fight them off. And then we cut to even earlier. This is terrible plotting, by the way. Start in present day. Cut to earlier. Cut to even earlier. It's like, <laughs> oh my god, what are you doing? I maybe that worked for you, but I just thought that was like janky and clunky. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, we cut to the council of all the gems, and they're all meeting. And Amethyst is there to tell them they need to take the fight to Opal. They can't tolerate him any longer or placate him any longer. It's kind of like uh, telling Neville Chamberlain, "You gotta stop placating that Adolf Hitler guy. He's eventually gonna be a problem." And Neville Chamberlain going, "Nope, everything's fine. <laughs> everything's fine here. It's okay. We're fine." And so the Council of the Gem World kick her out of the meeting because she's not really a leader of a house. And they tell Turquoise, "We gotta vote to strip her of her of her you know gem and and remove her from the gem world and send her back to Earth. She's just the worst. She's an idiot and she's just causing problems." And Turquoise is like, "Well, it takes a unanimous vote, and I ain't voting for it." Mm. So that's the scene. The problem with that, Stephen, is it took Bendis four pages to tell us this. <laughs> and the worst part, Stephen, it's a this scene is like super like. Fancy political, uh, like Game of Thrones kind of, you know, dialogue. You know what I mean? Like when, when like the the king's advisors are all having the talk together about what to do, right? Like that yeah. kind of dialogue. Mm-hmm. And so very formal. And at one point, you know, the the head of the council is like, you know, the amethyst martyrdom will continue uninterrupted until such time as she gets herself or all of us killed. Can we move on from this now? Since it's, it has to be a unanimous vote, uh, there are other houses in the gem. And my kid has a thing. Like, wh- what? What? Like, the whole scene is written like this Game of Thrones political formal dialogue, and then mm-hmm. you throw in this, like, suburban parent, like, wacky sitcom di- Is yeah. it me, Stephen? Or does that just... It just seems weird and awkward. Um... Well, or am I not getting the humor, uh, I guess? If, if they had set it up as it's some kind of strange... Like, like fantasy, but it has if like the Earth's culture like affected it in some way, right. then that would be that would explain it. But it's you know they didn't they didn't do that. <laughs> Did it work for you? Does that stuff work for you? It tries. It, it, it just pulls me. It just seems so weird. When it when it goes on that long, I just don't even your eyes glaze I, over. I don't even recognize it anymore. <laughs> so I, it was a lot of dialogue, wasn't it? Yeah. It's oh. like, oh, well, does this mean the scene is over? Then I Yay! welcome this line. <laughs> I, I am very happy now. We can move on. And yeah. we do. We cut back. So now we've started. Now we're back to today again, Stephen. Yeah. Elsewhere in the gem world, and we see Superboy, who is evidently married and has a daughter. Hate this plot line, Stephen. <laughs> I can't tell you how much I hate this plot line. That's a crap idea. And some mm. of Opal's goons are there, and Bart is there. And Bart's like, this is crazy. This is awesome. What's going on? And it's a lot of jibber-jabber. The long and short of it is, Superboy's like, hey, if I kick the, the head goon of these, of Opal's goons, it's like three of them. If I kick the head goon's butt, will the rest of you guys leave? And they're like, yeah, I guess so. And so with one punch, Superboy takes out the head goon. 
or Opal's army. And the uh, Opal's goons then flee, take take the guy and flee. And Bart's like, ah, here's, this is awesome, woo, hey, this is great. And he goes, and Superboy's like, are you here by yourself? And he's like, no, 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 you don't get us asking any questions until you tell me where babies come from. And I'm like, Bart is impulsive, hence the name Impulse, and he talks a lot. Mm-hmm. So he's impulsive and talks a lot. He's not brain dead. I mean, he's not brain dead, Stephen. I mean, again, did this was this like a, did this line work for you? Know Bart Allen's character. This line work for you, or is this just like Bendis going? I gotta be Bendis and throw my humor in, no matter where it works. Uh, it's the cumulative effect of this that makes an issue hard to read. It, for me, at least. What, what about you? I mean, I have not really had a problem with how he's written, like the 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 main Young Justice character, like the the Jeff Johns right Titans Young Justice yes, characters. Correct. Um, I did not care for that line. Uh, then again, I don't know Bart Allen. I don't dislike the character, but the fact that he's so motor mouthy just makes me go, "Oh my god!" Let's yeah, it's a bit much. It is a bit much sometimes. It right. takes a very special hand to make him work for me. I agree like, in a way that. You know, transcends. Okay, well, that's his character, right? Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So, is it a little out of character? Well, he's supposed to be super smart, if I remember, because he read Correct. like a remember bunch he of read the entire library of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I suppose he's just so excited he doesn't know what to say. But right. he's been—they've been there for how many issues? Yeah, like <laughs> two issues now. So excited! It's like, dude. Oh my god! Move the story along already, right? <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, then he asks, where's this little baby come from? And long and short of it is, he tells Superboy that Young Justice has reformed along with uh, three characters that nobody cares about. And um, <laughs> and uh, that's that. That We cut then back to the prison where Amethyst is being held and... We see Robin talking to Ginny, who's like, hey, by the way, you know, um, I got so, I got a trunk that belonged to my great-great-grandfather Jonah Hex, and it's got some weird magical stuff in it that I don't think it belongs on this earth, and I hope no one tries to mess with it. It's like, this is, Stephen, this is the most ridiculously contrived and convenient plot line. This is, this is as contrived and convenient writing as you can get. Isn't it? I mean, it, or is it just, again, is it just me? But it's like, literally, we're four issues in. Yes, her truck is there. We've not mentioned this trunk a single time. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, I've written my characters into an impossible situation, and she's got a trunk that has some magical mm-hmm. creatures in it that will eat anybody that opens it. Yeah, it's fairly uh, convenient. What? And that's mm-hmm. what happens. Some of the soldiers open up the box, and they all get eaten by some... Something. Blobby, tentacly creature thing. It's always a blobby tentacle creature. It, exactly, right? Mm-hmm. And then it closes, and we're done. Okay. And so, I guess that's supposed to get you finally interested in Ginny's character, because up until now, she's been as one-dimensional and boring as humanly possible. It's like, <laughs> oh, wow, a stereotypical country girl with a shotgun. That's great. Yes, please, Bendis, who lives in douchebag hipster Portland. <laughs> uh, you know so much about... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Country girls with shotguns, don't you? Anywho, so then Superboy arrives on the scene, saving us all. Thank you, Superboy. Yes. Rips open the prisons and escapes uh, and, and lets all our heroes escape. And, of course, you know, the first thing he says to Robin 
he rips open the, the prison and he goes, and, and Robin goes, Connor? And Super goes, hey, Drake, you're in a pit. I, I just, it's over and over. I don't get the dialogue. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. But okay, maybe you can explain it to me, but I don't get it. <laughs> so, and then Cassie's like, Connor! And then we get the best part of the issue, by far, bar none, it's not even close, is the one panel of Superboy standing behind uh, Tim Drake with an, hugging him with, and Cassie's on the side of Tim, and Superboy's got his arm around Cassie as well, and then Bart is on the other end of the sandwich facing Cassie, Robin, and Tim, uh, and Superboy hugging him. So it's a big, beautiful shot of these four classic Young Justice, Jeff Johns, Teen Titans, teammates, in full embrace, Stephen, for the first time since <laughs> the horrid, we shall not speak of it again, New 52 happened. Mm-hmm. This was a great panel. How this wasn't a splash shot, again, it's because the writer <laughs> has no clue about the characters or what he's doing or how to handle the plotting and laying out of an issue. That, that should have been a splash shot. That was the money shot, Stephen. This is what we've been waiting for, literally, for four issues, nobody gives a crap. I can tell you right now, no one gives a crap about Amethyst, Jenny, or dumbass little Lantern Girl. I don't even know her name. Power Battery. I don't know. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about those three characters. They bought this issue. They bought this title since the first issue to see this panel, to see Tim Drake, Connor, Cassie, and Bart together again. I don't care what anyone's... That is why people bought this issue. People can lie and see what they want on the internet. That's why people bought this issue. And you got a tiny panel of it that shows such a stunning lack of intuition and feeling for the story and the characters. I was shocked. This is the payoff moment, Stephen. Is this... I'll, I'll be honest. This is why I've been reading the past four issues for this moment. And I feel like we just kind of like... Whoop! Did you think that was appropriate enough or... You were okay with it. Uh, and I would have liked to have seen more. Oh, I would like to have seen more actual interaction between <laughs> them, but that's... <laughs> yeah. So, and now our team is like, okay, now we need to decide what we're going to do. They go over to Ginny's truck, and they open up the trunk, and everyone dies. <gasps> no, that didn't happen. Uh, they, go, <laughs> they go to the truck, and they decide that uh, they need to formulate a plan. Okay, we then cut to earlier, again with the earlier, Stephen. We don't know which earlier. We don't know where this earlier fits into all the other earliers, <laughs> but it's earlier. And Amethyst is talking to Turquoise, and again, Amethyst is like, I think House of Ruby made a deal with Opal, and absolutely nobody cares at this point, Stephen. <laughs> this whole Gemworld <laughs> stuff is all much, like, I feel like one of the kids in Charlie Brown. It's like, wah, 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 wah. It's like, it means nothing mm-hmm. at all, because Bendis has put zero effort into, like, actually building a world here at all. He's done like the most base amount of work possible. Mm-hmm. And so anyhow, out of nowhere, we see that the castle that uh, to, uh, that uh, Turquoise is in starts to deconstruct and oh no, it's happening again. Everything's falling apart and our land is falling apart and Turquoise needs to go into hiding and Amethyst, I guess, stays behind and assess the damage and then we see her meeting up with Tim Drake and 
holy shit, Stephen, are we right back to where we were at the end of issue number one? <laughs> are we? No, seriously. <laughs> did we just end issue four with where we were at the end of issue? Oh, my God, Stephen. What the hell? Really? Because in issue two, we already saw him, Robin, on a winged horse, right? Fighting with Amethyst on the same side as Amethyst, attacking some open. Really? Really? I, you know, look, this is literally the worst plotting you could ever possibly find. I could give, I could have my 14-year-old son write a comic book and he could plot it better than this. This is horrendous. For someone who's been writing comics for his entire life, who's in his 50s, and he still can't plot an issue. Oh, my. This is horrible plotting, Stephen. It's, it's inexcusable. That's where we end the issue, Stephen. Tell me how much you love Young Justice numero cuatro. Uh... uh <laughs> I don't know. I look at this the same way I look at Jason Aaron's Avengers. It's like I uh, I have fun with it. Right. It's not great. No. It's not it's not that well written. No. Um the art's really nice. The art is and nice. That's Patrick Gleason for you. Yeah. And yeah, agreed. I don't know. It's something about the seeing gem world. It's like, oh that looks really nice. I guess it's because it's gems. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean I I, I mean I'm I don't think that the the writing for the like I said the John's characters is all that terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, at some at some points, yes, it's, it still comes through as Bendis, but at other times, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm reading I'm reading Tim Drake, and I mm-hmm. like Tim Drake, so of mm-hmm. course I'm gonna make it. You know, of course I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy this. Right. Um, I do wish they had spent more time on the actual reunion. Yes. Um, that was anticlimactic. It was. Though, if I had had to hear Bart ramble on about how, oh, here's this and this, this, and this, and this again, I probably would have been like, okay, I'm just going to close this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, Jeff Johns made it work, but Jeff Johns made him an actual character. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. It's, (laughs) sorry, Bart. It's, it's not you. It's uh, who created you. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. But, um, yes. uh, So I like, I like seeing them. Hopefully, in the future, we'll get more of them together and just them. Um, I don't, I, I, I like you. I don't, I could give a crap less about Jenny Hex, which is such a, ugh. <laughs> like, that is literally like the laziest. Oh, it is. Excuse it is. of a character. I mean, even, oh, yeah. I mean, even worse than the Teen Lantern. Yes. Which was a joke that, yes. If from John's original, from John's Teen Titans, where John Stewart said, "Wow, I'm glad that I don't have a Teen Lantern or something as right. a sidekick," yes. and that here we have one. Yeah, there you go. But I mean, at least she's like related to somebody in the <laughs> ostensibly from the Justice League, and not just some random. It'd be even better if she was just random. Yeah, it'd be so Brian Bendis though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we we already have one. I don't I don't want to see another one. Um, and she's. She's got the Ark of the Covenant in her trunk, apparently, that melts people's faces or whatever. It's like, wow, you really... She didn't... They never mentioned anything about it in the beginning. 
Nope. Not even a line. No, not even a single line hinting at it. <laughs> nope. Not at all. It's like, oh, I forgot to mention there's a thing in my trunk. Like, <laughs> why is there why did they bring her truck here anyway? <laughs> I forgot to mention the plot device in the bed of my truck for the past four issues. Yes. And after we escape, I won't mention it again. Probably not. <laughs> no. Um would not be a surprise if they didn't. I I mean, I I guess he's trying to make us care about Amethyst by these political things. She's a child who wants to save the world, but but nobody nobody will listen to her. I've never heard of that storyline before, she, Steven. And she brings up Krypton. It's like, you people know what Krypton is? How do you know that? I don't know. You're like another dimension. You're not I another know. planet. Yeah. I know. But, okay. Um, Why not? Whatever. <laughs> and um, I, I, I don't know. It's, it, I'm just, I'm just trying to take it as it comes at me, and it's not coming at me very well. So it's like, well, I mean, it's, I don't, I don't hate it, but it's certainly not <laughs> written. Um, yeah, the, I I lost track of my yesterday's like, wait, is this yesterday or is it <laughs> weeks ago or is it such a mess or is it last year? Is it in the original <laughs> DC universe? Where are we? Such a dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah. The plotting is very, very, very bad. Um, so yeah, it's like, what did he do? Sniff glue, drink like eight <laughs> cups of coffee <laughs> and then start writing this. I mean, wow. Did he give you the art first and you were so dazzled that you couldn't write a script? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the kicker is Stephen. What exactly happened in this issue? Oh, um, what kind of plot progression and, <laughs> and actual content did we get in this issue? Um, new content, new content, and plot uh, progression. Did we get? Um, well, they introduced a, a, a trunk plot. Okay. <laughs> yep. Out of nowhere. Yep. Um, they got. The young justices back together. Yep. And they broke out of the prison. Yep. Well, that ties into them getting back together. Yeah. Um, and in the end, it doesn't Opal show up at the end, or is that? Nope. No, he doesn't. That's right. Um, <laughs> oh, that's much. right. How could I possibly have forgotten that we, we go back, we to, the back to the beginning? Yes. Again. At the end. Um, and the plotting, the pacing is horrendous. Mm-hmm. It is hor- This is the exact opposite of what Scott Snyder gives you in Justice League. <laughs> Where Snyder clearly has everything mapped out and planned out and meticulously plotted. This is just like, I'm going to make it up as I go along. Yeah. I've been drinking all night. I'm going to write an issue. <laughs> I mean, the plot and pacing is atrocious. There's no story content. There's no plot progression. It just meanders around. There's no... There's, there's The dialogue is meh at best. The character work is largely completely absent. There's not much chemistry. There's no reason for the reader to care about anything. It's just blah from start to finish. Really is. Just, I mean, what can you say? Bad pacing, bad plotting, bad character work, bad dialogue, very shallow, super shallow, super slow. It's just really disappointing because Young Justice is a great franchise, and Mm -hmm. Bendis is just, oh, making a mockery of it. (laughs) It's abysmal. It's abysmal. And I would expect to see the sales numbers for this comic to just keep on plunging, which is a shame because Young Justice, they deserve so much better than what they're getting. 
on this by Bendis. They really do. Young Justice is a great franchise with some great characters, and mm-hmm. I wanted to love the hell out of this title, Stephen. I really did. But we're four issues in, and next to nothing has happened. Seriously. I mean, really, it's four issues of literally next to nothing. It's it's terrible. Really is terrible. So disappointing. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I don't know. All I can hope for is maybe that we get a Young Justice title written by somebody else at some point. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's just, boy, fingers crossed that happens. Anyhow, the art's nice. It is nice. I do like Gleason's art, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Big thumbs up to the artwork. Very nice looking issue. Um, Young Justice number four, what do you think? How do you rate it? Um, I'll give the writing a four on the lower side of average, yep. and the art I will give an eight. Yeah. I really, really like the art. Yeah, agreed. I will give the writing two concussion-ridden Night Girls out of ten, and the art will be eight Night Girls out of ten. Yes. All right, my friend. All right. Let's hop over to the House of the Mouse, shall we? All right. Mm-hmm. Yes, we shall. Let's just start this one off, Stephen. Let's just get right to it. Major X, the dramatic return of Rob Liefeld. Stephen, the year 1990. Rob Liefeld, the hottest artist in the industry. How hot? This guy is so smoking hot, Stephen. He is just posting stupid sales numbers. I mean, people... You need to go back and look at some of the sales numbers from 1990, 91. The sales numbers were just bitch slap anything you see these days. (laughs) Liefeld could sell some comics. Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. I'll give that. I'll give the devil his due. That dude sold. He was so big, Stephen. He was starring in Spike Lee's ads for five hundred one buttonfly jeans. <laughs> this guy was huge, and he started Image Comics, which back in the day, Stephen, people don't understand if you weren't around then. Mm-hmm. Th- Image Comics in the early nineties was literally nothing anyone had ever seen before. DC and Marvel had dominated the industry by far. It was just DC and Marvel. I mean, there were other publishers, sure, but it was DC and Marvel. And here comes Image, and Image proceeded, Stephen, to just pimp slap DC and Marvel in the sales <laughs> charts when they started. It was stunning. It was, it was insane, the lines to the outside local comic shops to get all these new Image comics, the numbers they were selling, the, 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 the aftermarket sales numbers for these uh, Young Blood number one and all Spawn number one, all these image titles. It was insane. It was, it was nuts. I mean, I don't have the words to describe how it, there was no, there is no analog current day for current day readers to understand what it was like. There just isn't. It was, mm-hmm. it was insane. It's like Beatlemania in the comic world. It was crazy. They were huge. They were the rock stars of the comic industry. All these guys that founded Image, mm-hmm. and then, you know, the brightest star, uh, you know, burns bright and then fades out fast, right? And Rob Liefeld, by 96, 97, just crashed and burned. Uh, the guy couldn't the guy couldn't couldn't do anything right. He couldn't do anything right, and he was pretty much uh, he's pretty much a punchline mm-hmm. by the by the by the end of the 90s. He was a punchline and has remained a punchline. Mm-hmm. And his artwork is probably some of the most made fun of artwork there is. Yes, by far. Mm-hmm. And. Well, I've never been a Rob Liefeld fan. No. I will give him his due for what he did. Sure. And he did create Cable. He created Deadpool. And he sold a crap ton of comics. And he was huge. Well, I mean, he created Co-created. Deadpool. 
and then Joe Kelly turned Deadpool into what he is now. Yes, so. true. But, but but he still created him. Sure. But it was a very uncreative way because I uh, there's a I remember an interview with Fabian I think it was Fabian Nicesia when he first saw Deadpool's designs and he he calls up Life and goes so this is Deathstroke the Terminator right? Mm-hmm. Life was like what do you mean? He goes, dude, you just sent me Deathstroke the Terminator. <laughs> like, that that's who this character is. And even to the point where, you know, Slade Wilson, Wade Wilson. Yeah. I mean, this is how uncreative Liefeld was. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a continuing, but this is one reason why he flamed out because when, <laughs> when, when, when he, when he was left to create the characters and write the stories, mm-hmm. they were mind numbingly unoriginal. Mm-hmm. Again, he, Deadpool, he just simply looked at Destro. He's a huge Teen Titans fan. Sure. He even drew Hawk and Dove with DC before he came over to Marvel. Um, but, the, but the point, yeah. Grinning teeth. Oh, a lot of them. <laughs> Hawk was always grinning the teeth. And so, but the thing is, like, he, you know, so he loved Deathstroke. So what does he increase? De- this is how uncreative he is. Deathstroke, Slade Wilson, I'm going to create yeah. Deadpool. Wade Wilson. It's like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. so, and, but he did that with his Youngblood characters. Bad Rock, the thing. I mean, it was just, it was, it was one after the other. I mean, the guy was just super unoriginal. Mm-hmm. Super unoriginal. Yeah. Turns out there's only so much of other people's stuff you could copy before yeah, it stops working. Right. Hmm. And, and absolutely. And so, and God, wait, hey, Jim Lee deserves some uh, some of that for uh, blame as well for the, the massive oh, amount sure. of copying he did with Wildcats. So it was like, wow, yeah. Jim, thanks for giving me the X-Men. Look mm. at that. I mean, <laughs> but but anyhow, Rob Liefeld, in, in his art, that style is just, it's bad. Mm-hmm. Art. Yeah, and so the guy became a punchline, and now he's trying to. I guess you know. I guess Marvel's decided. Look, um, all these little kids from the '90s. <laughs> Nostalgia is a powerful thing, right? And little kids in the '90s didn't know how crappy the writing was. They just thought Liefeld's art was cool. His characters were cool. The stories were cool, right? That's why he sold so much in the in the '90s. Mm-hmm. And so these little kids. I'm talking little kids, six, seven, eight sure. in that time period. Yeah. Well, they're all they're all adults now. With real adult jobs and making lots of money. Yeah. And so let's get some of that money. Nostalgia is a good way to cash in. So that's the reason why I think they brought Liefeld back. It's, it's, that, it's that wave, that 90s nostalgia wave that you see mm-hmm. across the board. And um, I, I have a, I mean, I think you're partially right, but I have a different theory. Yes. Um, that they need somebody, anybody with any kind of name because yeah. either DC has them or they went to Image and they're not coming back. Right. Right. Well, <laughs> it's true. Marvel is, is sort of, they, they keep, Signing all these weird, like non comic writers or indie writers. Yeah, the, uh, weird, the really indie, weird. Yeah, I've mostly the ones that aren't the comic writers. That's that still bothers me. Like, how many comic writers are working that yeah. would love a shot at right? Marvel? And they're like, no, let's just. I read this book one time. Let's get that guy. And it's strange. Yeah, really it weird. Anyhow, <laughs> Major X is brought to us. Rob Liefeld doing the words. Oh dear, and the pencils. <laughs> Rob Liefeld with Adelso Corona. And Dan Fraga doing the inks. Okay, well that might not be too bad. <laughs> and Romulo Fajardo Jr. doing the colors. Mm-hmm. And we begin. The best part about this, Stephen, is we don't know what time period we're in. Yeah. We don't know what Earth we were on. Uh-huh. It kind of feels like we're back in 1990s Marvel Universe, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. But no, Liefeld ain't telling you. No. Liefeld ain't telling you. No, and no. again, I have no problem if Liefeld wants to... Pitches to Marvel. Hey, I want to set my comic back in you know whatever 1990s Marvel, mm-hmm. and I want to pretend like nothing after 1992 has happened. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with alternate 
but you got to let me know. You yeah. got to tell me in the beginning where we are. It is literally you have to frame your story. All you have to do is literally put in a small text box that says yeah. the '90s, <laughs> right? Just, just frame. You have, but th- this is like, Stephen, this is writing 101. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Writing 101. So anyhow, we start at the X Mansion, Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters, and we see the members of X Force, and they're all very 90s looking. Oh yeah, have been taken out by Major X, and Cable's. And we see that with X-Force is a older version of Beast. And he's called McCoy, M-apostrophe-K-O-Y. And Cable uh, uh, gets a second wind, starts punching away. And Steven, I got to tell you, the costume design for Cable, it's horrible. He's literally bare-chested with what looks to be like a puffy H. A puffy, a puffy vest in the shape of an H. <laughs> And a metal collar on his neck. Am I am I wrong? Is that not just like a? Doesn't it look like that? Like a H, yeah, it does. A metal H mm-hmm. on a completely bare upper torso. Yeah, worst yeah. design ever. But he's got to show off his man's and his man's his guns. Yes, is... indeed. <laughs> so Cable and and Major X are going back and forth, punching back and forth, back and forth. And then Old Beast gets involved, and and you know Cable takes down Old Beast, and then. Major X chops off Cable's cybernetic hand and, and says, all right, look, we're not here to fight you. We're, we need help. And <laughs> Good way of showing but, it. <laughs> but, but you've been attacking them. And so he then, punt, Major X then punches out Cable, which ostensibly knocks him out. That's what I'm being told here, right, by the story. Mm-hmm. And then, he, or, then Major X tells Old Beast, you got to, he tells him, uh, you know, we're, 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 our time is limited. We're years from our destination. And um, Beast is like, you'll figure that out, Major, because the alternative is too horrible to consider. It's like dialogue like that, Stephen, is just yeah. the worst. Then mm-hmm. we cut back to the existence. We don't know when this is, because he's not telling you again. No, the X. The X, X, X dash instance. Mm-hmm. And basically, the existence is a perfect utopia where, where mutants are living. And the existence is created by the X dash Enchil, and the X dash Enchil has created this entire existence. Right? That isn't even a word. No, it's the not. Existential. Right. And uh, so the existence, very fabric, the very reality is created by the by the existential. And Major X is looking for any cracks in the firmament because the existential is getting older. Mm-hmm. And is having a hard time keeping a grip on maintaining the existence. And then suddenly, Major X gets a communique from headquarters, a little radio transmission. They're like, hey, we've been trying to reach you, but we can't reach you. Uh, you need to come back to HQ immediately. The, there's massive upheaval. Uh, territories have collapsed. People are panicked. Everything's in fire. Everything's in flames. Everything's in ruin. And the existential is, is disappeared. He's gone. It's like, Stephen, I mean, Liefeld hits the fast forward button, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. It's not slow. He no. does a lot. He he, yeah. he he just hits the fast forward. You know, I mean, you just introduced us to everything, and now we're tearing it apart already. It's like, wow. I feel like, I feel like we got like what was you know like maybe like a whole year's worth of story mm-hmm. delivered in one issue. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah, pretty much. And then Beast tackles uh, Matrix out of nowhere, stands on top of him, and puts his head around his his hand on his neck. And goes, hey, you're a hard man to find. They sent me to track you down and um and tell you um, what's going on. I'll let you know. Uh, I'll radio HQ and tell them that I found you. Why 
if you've been sent to send get your friend, would you attack <laughs> them and then stand on top of them with your hand on their neck? Stephen, why would you do that? <laughs> I don't get that. Who does that to their friend? Okay. I, I don't know. Anyhow. This, and is then, a, this is another universe, so their right. friends must be different than our friends. Indeed. Indeed. Major <laughs> X goes, dude. Uh, the, ex- the existence, the existential is missing. Everything's falling apart. And Beast is like, what? Missing? That doesn't make any sense because the, ex- the existential is who sent me to get you. And literally the whole world's falling apart around them. So they hop on uh. Majorex's bike, which is called the mother bike. And this mother bike is kind of like a mother box in that it can transport you from place to place. Isn't that interesting? And so they decide that with the existence collapsing, they need to use the mother bike and warp slide. We don't know where. Nobody knows where. But it's it's gonna they're gonna warp slide somewhere. Wow. And Major X goes, Do you hear the screams? Remember the cries of our world dying friend? Use it as fuel to power our mission. <laughs> We're going to save our home <laughs> and bring the traitors who destroyed it to the justice they deserve. How do they know it was destroyed by somebody? Thank you! And this is what I'm saying! Exactly! First of all, terrible dialogue. And uh, terrible dialogue. But on top of this, how does he know what's going on? He just knows that something that the existent the existence is tied to the existential and the existential is missing, therefore the existence is crumbling. But the existential could have had a heart attack. He's old, he's weak, he could have just died, he could have had a stroke, he could have passed away, he could have ran away, he could why is he why does he know that there are traitors? That have, how does he know this, Stephen? There's no reason for him to know this. Well, I don't, I don't assume much intelligence from Major X anyway. So, oh my god, I just, I just like to think of him as like, um, what is it, like, um, like a, like a character who like everybody thinks is great, but he has like a good backup team, and he's just a moron. Yes. So, <laughs> right. Remember the ice creams, Fred. Oh my god. <laughs> who says that? Seriously. And so we cut back to the present, and and Major X is still talking with Beast, and he says we got to interface with, the, with Cerebro and make a connection with the X Men. Uh, he does mention that Cable is essential to their history, and he can't be compromised. Essential. And then suddenly, oh snap! <laughs> heads up, you already made contact with the X Men. Here's Wolverine, and we get a big brawl between Wolverine and Beast. And Major X. And then come to find out that Major X has a sword that is a katana forged completely of adamantium. And how did he get this? He used the adamantium from Wolverine's bones. The remains of his bones long after Wolverine had passed away. But I thought adamantium, after you <sighs> melted it, it dried, it couldn't be reheated. Yeah, you don't need Come on, Stephen. So don't use did, logic. How did he make a... It doesn't make any sense. Light-filled magic. And how does he not know that X-Force is connected to the X-Men? Right. So I was like, oh, why instead of beating them up, why not talk to them? You yes. Mm. Yes. So, yeah, it's great. It's <laughs> you great. You moron. It, it's fantastic. He's so stupid. <laughs> so stupid. And then, oh, no, guess who's woken up? X-Force. Cannonball, Domino, Shatterstar, Cable. Cable blasts Major X in the back. He's like, stay down. And you got to start explaining. And Major's like, I'm going to explain everything to you. Don't worry. Look, we need your help. And he tells them what happened, right, to their their world. And they need them help. And suddenly, out of nowhere, appears Deadpool. Oh, Jesus. And it's not our Deadpool. It's a Deadpool, I guess, from Major X's universe. 
And Deadpool goes, I've been hired by my benefactors to locate you and the major here. Okay. And he's talking to Cable. So he's been paid by his benefactors to get Cable from our time, mm-hmm. our, our universe, and Major X from his universe. Yeah. And he's also supposed to kill Old Beast. Okay. Okay. And then and we get a fight. He doesn't sound like Deadpool at first, no. but then he makes a Don't Fear the Reaper reference. Right. He sounds totally normal. He's talking totally normal. Yeah. And then. And then, uh, well, they start fighting first. And the best uh, part is Cannonball hits him from behind and goes, I did it. Um, <laughs> but the best part about this, Stephen, Lifefield doesn't, can't even be bothered to be consistent in his dialogue from line to line. I'm not talking from page to page, Stephen. Line to line. He writes the dialogue. A.H. did it, because you know he's a southerner, so he's like, I did it, right? Did he's southern. It. Can't, I, I hate when, I, by the way, that's just a pet peeve. I hate when writers do that. Mm-hmm. I, no, I just did. don't do that. Don't do I that. Just, just put an I. I know he's southern. I'll do the accent in my head. Yeah. Um, he goes, A.H. <laughs> did it. In the next sentence, I managed to blast, <laughs> keep my blast. Wait, but the, so the very next sentence, it's an I. Not a, so it should have been either I did it with an, I, with an I, and then I managed to keep, or it should have been A.H. did it. Ah, A.H. managed <laughs> to keep my blast field quiet enough to sneak up on him. Yeah. Oh, my God, Stephen. <laughs> not even from line to line can life will get the dialogue right. It's so bad. It is so bad. I mean, it's hilarious, oh, but man. it's bad. <laughs> oh, I was like, really, dude? And so, oh, my God. But the best part is, like, why do we even need the dialogue? Couldn't he have just blasted Deadpool in the back and just moved on with the fighting? <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> okay, and so Deadpool's beating up the, the X-Force guys, and he starts beating up Cable, and then, yes, Cable's like, uh, you know, I'm guessing your benefactors don't take kindly to failure to deliver from a, uh, a contract killer. And then Deadpool responds, what me and my benefactors know is that every one of you mutant scum has an expiration date that's long past due. Don't fear the Reaper, Nathan. Take my hand. Don't fear the Reaper, baby. I'm your man. Oh, my God, Steven. Why is this character quoting don't fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult. Why? He's written as just a normal, just a normal character. Yeah. That was so cheesy. <laughs> that was so. I mean, I was laughing my ass off. Don't yeah. get me wrong. It was hilariously cheesy, but I don't think it was the intent that Liefeld wanted. Anyhow, <laughs> um, and then they keep fighting. Uh, just God, they just keep fighting, fighting, fighting Deadpool fighting. forever, Stephen. Yeah. I mean, this is just never. It just it keeps <laughs> going forever. And then Major X stands up. It's his turn to fight him. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, we see another mother bike appear on the scene. And it's got, I guess, our Deadpool on it? We don't know. Again, we have no clue where any, where even where the story's set. Which, mm-hmm. We don't know anything. But he Deadpool. acts like our Deadpool, right? Yeah. And he starts attacking normal, normal acting Deadpool. And the best part is... Our Deadpool, or the guy who acts like our Deadpool, asked the other Deadpool, now to find out who's under that shiny helmet. Cade? Jade? Slade? Is it you? Okay, I got it. Now, Steven, I got it. That, I got was, that was a good one. Yeah. That was a good one. That's a good <laughs> reference to Deadpool being a ripoff of, of Wade Wilson, uh, yeah. Slade Wilson, Deathstroke. That, that, that was a good one. Okay, I tip my, tip my cap on that one. Um, and then... The uh, normal acting Deadpool decides there's too many people for me to fight, and he body slides out of the situation. So he teleports away. <laughs> okay, so Cable and X Force and dumbass wasn't enough, but 
Deadpool yes. is too much. Yes! Wow, okay. Yes, yes. We, so, we see where Rob Liefeld's priorities yes, are. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so, the best part is, Deadpool then says, uh, you know, hey, I've won the fight. Take it away, Major. How does he know who Major X is? Nah, I don't know. Okay. And so Major X goes, look, I got some explaining to do. And then he explains once again, Stephen. We get explained the whole existence and existential thing explained to us again, which we didn't need again. I mean, it was a really simple concept that Liefeld kind of explained like five times about this issue. Yeah. That was such an easy concept. This is the best part, though. Steven, this is just heavy laughing by ass off. Mm-hmm. Major X, after he tells his whole backstory, he says, my, my mentor, my friends, my family, the stakes could not be higher. These aren't your mentors. These aren't your <laughs> friends. These aren't your family. You're not from this reality. <laughs> Nobody here knows you. Okay, but it gets even better. Because Cable, oh my God, Stephen, I love this. Cable goes, I know now who you are, son. I didn't think it was possible. How does he know? What? I just love the the way that page is constructed because it's, yes. it's Cable... Like it's his head, and then yes. like his torso is all shadowy. There's a yes. lot of white space around it. Yes. That's okay. Mister uh, Major X is underneath Cable. Yes. But the first dialogue box is from the guy under Cable's head, and then the second dialogue box is Cable's head. Yes. Which is at the top of the page. Yes. I mean, I, I, I don't. I don't get that. No, me neither. I mean, I, I read that, and I literally, I just had that final, just like, that Hilarious. crazed reaction of, like, um, what was it? It was it was Chandler after losing Bamboozle on Friends. Like, this is the best issue ever. Yes. This, it <laughs> so, really is. It's so terrible. It really is. It is. It is. Uh, and so, Cable tells him, I, uh, go ahead, reveal yourself for all to see. So, Cable has now said, I know who you are. Liefeld, I, again, he wrote the story. Yes. He wrote the dialogue. Well, wrote. Right? I mean, let's and then he did the art, there. right? So I would imagine this is in a situation where the writer doesn't know what the artist is doing, the artist doesn't know what the writer's doing. Mm-hmm. It's the same guy. So the writer knows and the artist, same guy. Yeah. So you turn the page for the last shot, and Matrix has revealed his helmet. He's a biracial guy. Mm-hmm. And he says, my name is Alexander Nathaniel Summers. Like, fuck, Stephen, if I have to see another fucking Summers from the future, <laughs> I'm going to go insane. <laughs> I'm going to go insane. You got Cable. You got Rachel. You've got Hope. Mm-hmm. Now you got this guy. Like, un- freaking enough. <laughs> oh, my God. And it has, and how many Nathaniels from the future do they have to have in Marvel in general? Oh, my God. Oh, there's also X-Men. <laughs> yeah, X-Men. That's right. Jesus, there's also X-Men. It's enough already. No more Summers from the Future. No more. No more. Yeah. A moratorium on it. No more. Anyhow, the best part is, he goes, I've risked everything by contacting you at this point in your history, Father. You're my last, best, and only hope. Um, so no, you didn't. He, he, <laughs> first of all, he, I got the impression, again, Rifle didn't tell us anything, sure. but I got the impression that the mother bike was just kind of doing a last-ditch yeah. body slide. Yeah. 
Just a last ditch, the last ditch body slide to wherever. It's kind of like well, I don't know where we're gonna end up, but we're gonna get out of here and somehow mm-hmm. figure out how to come back and save our world, right? Yeah. And At no point did Major X go. I know where we need to go. Mm-hmm. I know who we have to contact. This is the location. This is the time. That yeah. never happened, Stephen. Yeah. That never happened. But at the end of the issue, Liefeld's like, no, I totally planned this. But you did it because you just showed us early in the issue that you didn't. That's one thing. You're my <laughs> last, best, and only hope. Yeah. What? Why? How? What, Why? Wait. You said you needed to talk to the X-Men. If he's your only hope, then you can just remove last and best from the sentence. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad writing. It's nineties. My writing. last best. No, no, no. It just if if he's the only hope. <laughs> now, if he wasn't your only hope, then you could say he's my. You're my last and best hope. Mm-hmm. But you can't have all three together. That doesn't make sense. And then to top it all off, <laughs> Stephen, remember Cable's told you he knows who he is, right? <laughs> Cable's told you he knows who Major X is, right? Right. Liefeld wrote that dialogue. Yet when you look at this page. Cable's mouth is wide open in shock. Like, holy crap, I didn't know this. You just said you knew it. Why did you draw Cable as if he's in total shock and amazement at the reveal? Oh, my God. I would get it if it it was a different artist than the writer, but holy crap, it's the same guy writing it and is drawing it. And Liefeld, Liefeld forgot his own story. It's like Liefeld forgot the dialogue he wrote just the page before. And drew Cable all surprised. I just have to assume that Cable has like 80 children in the future. And it's like, oh, I thought you were the other one. Oh, not that one. (laughs) My God, Steven. Major X number one. What'd you think? Wow. That was. That was fun. Fantastic. It it was was absolutely a blast to read. I'm going to tell you, Steven. This was. I'm I'm giving this issue uh, two two different scores. One score for how wildly entertained I was. And then one score for how actually bad the writing oh, yeah. in art was. Mm-hmm. Because they're two different things. But this yeah. is this issue, Stephen, this is one of those examples where it's so horrid. <laughs> it's so bad that you so proceed atrocious. to just laugh your ass off yeah. through the entire issue. It doesn't annoy you. It's not it doesn't it doesn't annoy you or bore you like, say, Young Justice number four. Sh- no. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. This actually makes you laugh all the way through it. Yeah. Because it's truly horrible. <laughs> Go ahead, Steven. Um, well, this this reads to me because when it was going through the action stuff, at least I was like, okay, this thing is alive with something. It's not good, but it has a pulse. Um, (laughs) but I got it. I got through it by imagining that. Um, I know I had to go to the '80s for this reference, but um. Maybe it was seventies. I can't quite remember, or both decades. I don't know. Yes. Or when he's riding on his little his little motorbike and he's for five pages and he's just <laughs> reflecting. I was like, you know, if this was like a Don Johnson movie, <laughs> and you just he's just sitting and monologuing to himself, or maybe if for nineties Keanu Reeves, for yes. instance, and <laughs> just like okay, well this is funny. Just imagining, you know, um, the essential created this world and the mutants were safe here and blah, 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 and all this other nonsense. <laughs> and um, so I laughed at that. And then I laughed at the fact that this is the dumbest character to ever set foot in a comic book. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> which, Absolutely. Which really solidified the Keanu Reeves reference. Yes. Because, I mean, the old Keanu yes. Reeves, not, yes. you know, the, the John Wick Keanu Reeves. Correct. Um, the the person who could have everything laid out in front of him and could not figure out what was going on. Yes. 
I so I just imagine. Okay, well, we have Sergeant Dumbass here. Mm. He's going back to save the future yes. Yes. or another world or something. And then I mean, okay, it was nice to see the real Cable. Yes. Uh, well, as far as you can call that, uh, that that weird S and M H getup that he's wearing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yeah. it just it just proceeded to just just to go into complete and utter just insanity. And mm-hmm. I, I, I loved it. Absolutely. It was stupendous. <laughs> Absolutely agree. See, this, we can agree that this is easily some of the worst writing we've ever read. Oh yeah. Right. And we've read a lot of bad stuff. We've read a lot of boring stuff. Yeah. This is truly some of the worst comic writing I've ever read mm-hmm. by far. Yes, indeed. Uh, the, the story uh, is as shallow as they come. Would you agree? Oh, I think like, like I, paper thin shallow, right? I think I think calling it shallow is an insult to shallow right. stories. Like this is a story <laughs> I, my twelve year old son would come up with a more complex story than this one, mm-hmm. for sure. So yeah. the story unbelievably shallow. Mm-hmm. The this is the antithesis of world building. Oh, <laughs> life builds world building with the existential and the uh, existence was horrible. <laughs> this is the worst world building ever. Ever. Mm-hmm. It was cursory slapdash. I mean, everything is right there on the surface. This is, oh, the, yeah. hands down, the worst Except world building you're going to see. Set. Yeah. And where. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, just horrible world building. Just pathetic. Did you, did you notice that, uh, this is just something I picked up um, thinking about it now. It's, like, it's supposed to be at the X-Mansion, but it looks like a house in a neighborhood, like, you know, a random house. Yes. I'm like. It does. That's the X-Mansion? It does not Are look like the crazy? X-Mansion. crazy? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Um, that's the X starter home. That's not the yes. X mansion. You moron. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, it, 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 the dialogue, yeah. just horrible. Oh yeah. Just, just unbelievably bad. Cheesy at best. Oh, cheesy at very, very best. <laughs> at the, at the, Maximum the, cheese. Yes. I mean, just, oh, atrocious. The character work, I mean, there's literally it's no character work. It's non-existent. It's yeah. literally non-existent. And I know we say that, but no, this is literally non-existent. Yeah. I mean, this made uh, Bendis' character work on Young Justice seem freaking phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes characters you read in a comic strip feel like Shakespeare characters. Yes. <laughs> just atrocious. The story is as... St- it's just... It's mind-blowingly <laughs> stupid. Yeah. It I was going to say mind-numbingly, but I don't think... Yeah. I, 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 just, I was... No. It's dumber than dumb. I was very engaged, It, it, it is. It is... <laughs> Literally the dumbest story possible. Yes, it it's is. So the whole thing is so mm-hmm. unbelievably stupid. Yeah, the um, art is. I mean, at look, some points it's whatever, but then I mean, the best I part, can't get over that cable page with the head and the the voice. Well, it's weird. What I like is that Liefeld <laughs> manages to pick a character design and major X that he can't accurately draw from page to page. <laughs> Bro, if you can't draw it from page to page, maybe you need to pick a different character design because some, the helmet is roundy, yeah. right? And then yeah, like in the other panels, it's like flat. Doesn't it look flat? <laughs> it looks like an army helmet. Like yeah. an army, it looks flat. It looks like an AIM helmet, like one of those AIM soldiers. Yeah. You know? It's like he can't keep the helmet straight from panel. And here it's got little ears. And then here it doesn't have... And, oh, the ears are gone, Steven. <laughs> Look, ears, ears on the helmet, ears in the helmet. Ears are gone. They're not on the helmet anymore. And they don't ever appear again. We're done with the ears. Liefeld just decided drawing those little ears in the helmet were too much. They were too much. I can't do it anymore. Oh, wait. 
But on the first splash shot, the ears aren't there. The ears literally, Stephen, the ears are on the helmet literally for only two panels in the whole issue. What? Why were there ears on the helmet for two panels? Again, it's just the art is atrocious. Yeah. It's, it's so bad. Um, it's, it's, it, it, look, the helmet just keeps changing. It just keeps changing with every page. It's, 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 it's life-held art. It's, it's everything. A lot of gritted teeth. Uh, it just it's horrible the anatomy's all jankified there's no background in any of the panels Stephen. no no background in there's any of the happening. panels if, at all if you if you if you go by his logic the x-men live in a dumpy empty yes. house yes <laughs> in a in a random suburb somewhere yes lifefield still can't draw feet oh no <laughs> still can't draw feet He's like, I just kind of lose it from about the calf down. I'm done. <laughs> I spent too much time looking I'm at done. the feet. Just the, the feet? Yes. What do they look like? <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's, it's too much. It's too much, Stephen. It's too, it's too much. And there's um, that last splash shot. There's no feet. <laughs> no, he will avoid the feet, and and he is okay. The <gasps> upper body is so huge, and look how tiny his legs start to get. <laughs> I mean, there are no hips. No hips. The guy just goes from torso into leg. No hips. No pelvic area. And, and the legs just are, could not, those legs are tiny. They could not support that upper body at all. Bro needs to hit leg day. Wow. That was just, that was a blast. Steven, um, yes. major X number one, what'd you think? Give me a grade. Um, just as an actual issue. Um, we'll do that first. Yeah, we'll do that one first. Um, the, uh, I think I could probably do the, the art better first. Um, it's not as terrible in some spots as I was expecting. How has life filled <laughs> after little <laughs> Steven, after literally two decades, yeah, not managed to perfect his craft <laughs> or advance his style? Every other artist I can think of has managed to, over time, evolve their style. How has this man gone two decades and it still looks the same as it did back in the nineties? Wow! Because that's his shtick, and he has understood. And if he, and if he were to get better, people might not appreciate it anymore. I understand. My bad. You got to keep on brand, man. Understood. Understood. Go ahead. I just want to make sure you know that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um. So the art. Oh God! I'll give it a. <laughs> I'll give it a four, which is more than I'd give anything. It's I I think it showed a slight improvement in that, um, I my eyes weren't bleeding when I looked at it. Indeed, so that was nice. Indeed, uh, yes. It's not his uh, his Jesus versus Zeus. Comic oh God, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Where everyone is somehow muscular yet still looks like a stick figure. Yes. Oh God. <laughs> that was so. Oh, that was something. Still waiting for the sequel, Rob. Indeed. We'll review it. Yeah, oh, <laughs> happily. Um, and the writing. Oh, oh, my God. The writing is... Oh. <laughs> uh, the writing, I will give it a... I'll, I'll give it a two. I can't, I can't, I don't have the heart to give it a one because it, it's, it's like talking to, it's like talking to a child who just can't do any better. True. Know? It's like, so I'll give you a two. So All right. One. And now for the... Entertainment value. Entertainment value. Yes. 
Um, I give it straight tens. I agree. So, Steven, I'm with you. I'm going to go the art. I will give it four night girls out of ten for the artwork. Okay. For the writing, I'm going to do it. You're going to do I'm it. I'm going to give it one solitary night girl out of ten. You're going to kick him out. I'm going to kick him when he's down. <laughs> that is one night girl out of ten for the writing. It's yeah. horrible. But entertainment value, Steven, I am right there with you. Ten bootylicious night girls out of ten. <laughs> This is insanely entertaining. I think, I think so you're bad. using the wrong rating. This is this is a this is a grilled cheese sandwich with ten slices of cheese on it. Yes! <laughs> oh my god, it really is. Uh, I, I just I laughed my ass off. Steve. Oh yeah, I did too. All right, my friend. Mm-hmm. On to an issue that was not decidedly not as fun to read. Marvel but, team up featuring Spider-Man in this Marvel number one. I was one. like, how can you eat that cheese sandwich with the gritted teeth? I know, right? I just <laughs> shove it in between the spaces <laughs> in my teeth. Uh, <laughs> anyways. <clears throat> okay. Well, uh, Marvel team up number one. Whew. Yes. Let's this, fan ourselves for a I second. I know, right? I need to, <laughs> I need to ice down. Uh, this is... <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, this is going to be really anticlimactic in comparison, Stephen. Um <sighs> This issue is brought to us by Eve Ewing doing the words, mm-hmm. Joey Vasquez doing the art, Felipe Sobrero doing the colors. Eve Ewing, Stephen, you might know from the Riri Williams Ironheart comic book mm-hmm. that is currently on the market. Again, this is another one of these weird hirings by Marvel where they've decided, well, I need someone to write a comic, so, oh, I'm going to hire this woman who is a assistant professor at the School of Social Service Administration at University of Chicago who specializes in academic research in the sociology of education and uh, has published books including Ghosts in the Schoolyard, Racism in the School Closings on the Chicago South Side, and also written books like Electric Arches, which is a collection of poetry and prose. I, I don't... This is what I'm talking about with what you were mentioning. When Marvel makes weird hirings, this is why DC has all the good talent. Marvel hires these people. Like, there was literally no comic book writer. No. There's, you tell me there's no comic book writer out mm-hmm. there in the indies who loves super, the superhero genre that you could find. Really? Really? <laughs> I, I find that hard to believe. Yeah. So you get these random yeah. academic who has nothing to do with superhero comics to mm-hmm. write a superhero. Just, and the result is what we get. Which is not funny like what Liefeld gives us, but just freaking boring. Like, hmm. wow, you've never, you never, you didn't grow up reading superhero comics, did you? This is boring. That's what we get. So in this issue, we start with Peter Parker, uh, and I thought Peter's roommate was Boomerang. No, he has two. He has two. Bo- one he- was Boomerang, and one is um, um, this guy. Yeah, he's this guy. Yeah, the black guy. Um, I don't know his name. It's. I thought it was Robbie Robertson, Robbie Robertson Jr. or something. Okay, well it could yeah. be. It's a, I'm it's, just saying it's that, Robertson's son from the it, Daily Bugle. But for new readers, is a number one issue. Yeah, should, right. So you should tell you. Tell we don't know who he is. is. Yeah. He gets no name. Mm-hmm. He gets no name. Yeah. How is that possible? I mean, again, again if you hired a comic book writer, <laughs> they would understand the look. Comic book writing is hard. Mm-hmm. Just because you're an associate professor and have done academic studies and written poetry and written prose mm-hmm. does not mean you're qualified to write a comic book. Yeah. Comic book writing is hard. It is a skill. Yeah. It's not to say that, that she can't write. It's just no, she's writing but, a different kind of thing. Right. Which has its own challenges. Right. Like, yeah. would I hire, you know, uh, Scott Snyder to write some poetry for me? Maybe not. 
I don't know. <laughs> I think you could do it. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Liefeld? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Write me a poem about feet. Yes. So, he and Quentin Tarantino need to collaborate. Oh, God. <laughs> and I hate feet so much to make me want to throw up. Uh, I know, really. I'm like about to vomit now. Um, <laughs> okay, so... Um, Anyhow, we learned that Peter is super nervous because he's going to give the introduction to Yesenia's keynote speech. Who is Yesenia? She is... Well, you know what, Stephen? You're not going to know who Yesenia is <laughs> because in this one, two, three page introductory scene, we're talking about Yesenia, we don't tell you who she is, okay? But evidently, she's somebody, and... The big controversy is that Peter lost his got his doctorate pulled by ESU mm-hmm. for else. supposed plagiarism. Something else from another comic that right, not really right, up. right. So this three pages was just like a bunch of blah blah blah. Anyhow, we get to EC uh, to ESU, mm-hmm. and um, Peter runs into Yesenia Yesenia Rosario. She's a doctor. And an innovator. And you know this because everybody goes out of the way to go on and on <laughs> and on and on about how Yesenia Rosario is freaking smarter than everyone, including... Re- like, they... Re- they <laughs> Ewing really wants you to know, Stephen, that this lady is super freaking smart. Okay? <laughs> and I gotta ask you, is there some kind of internal memo in Marvel running around since the beginning of the all-new, all-different initiative where if there's to be a single STEM program character, a character who specializes in, in STEM studies, that it has to be a female. Preferably a minority female, but definitely has to be a female. Because every brainy STEM program character they've created, Riri, this lady, the scientist over in um, oh, uh, Marvel 2-in-1, Marvel 2-in-1, yeah. uh, that lady scientist, and then uh, you've got... Who? Moon Girl. Moon Girl, uh, Unstoppable Wasp, and all of her yeah, team of brainy right. girl STEM program ladies. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, Stephen, it's yeah. literally, ev- I mean, it's it's yeah. everywhere to the point where it's like, okay, you really do have an internal memo. <laughs> like, I don't know if, like, if they're trying to, like, work a deal with STEM programs in public schools for them to, like, order Marvel comics <laughs> for their beginner readers to, to encourage girls to get in STEM programs by having all these, I, I don't know, but it's clearly, there is clearly a, some type of internal memo that's going around because it's, it's, it's a little weird. It's a little weird. Like it, Oh, also in Tony Stark, Iron mm-hmm. Man, same thing. Yeah. It's like, uh, I think, it's strange. It's I think odd. you're attributing too much intelligence that Marvel would try to get somebody to buy their comics. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's just they're they just that's just their social agenda. Not, they're not trying to actually make money. Yeah, I don't. Okay. I don't. It's doubt, weird. I don't doubt that there's a memo or at least a um a, su- a list of suggestions. <laughs> right. These are the characters we need to see in yeah. STEM programs now. They all got to be women. Like they all have to be women. Got it. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. It's not realistic, but okay, that's cool. Um. Yeah. For them all, no. No, of course not. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, again, it's it's when you when you shove things too hard, mm-hmm. it 
ends up looking really unrealistic, and the reader begins to wonder, why is this happening all over the place? This is weird. This isn't like real life. Anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> so, long and short of it, uh, he gives a little intro for her. And after he gives the intro, his spider sense goes off, and he sees, slips into his spider outfit, and he sees that the jackal is there to steal uh, uh, Dr. Rosario's device. And it's some kind of amazing device that can, like, make your thoughts real or something like that, Stephen. Oh, um, they... Does it make your dreams real, or what, what does it do? It, it, it uploads your memories. It turns your memories into data. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> Spidey goes, uh-uh, Jackal, not today. And then, oh, guess who's there? Miss Marvel. And she's like immediately annoys the hell out of you. She's like, oh, my gosh, yes, of course, teamwork. Ah. Like, can any of these all new uh, – I know. Like, can any of these all new, all different characters just not be – annoying is it possible Well, that's the thing if like if like they had drawn her to be like oh my god it's spider-man it would have been like one thing but she's just like she she's standing there doing the action pose but the dialogue is oh my god i can't believe blah, 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 blah. it's like it doesn't matter of course teamwork yeah Woo! It doesn't match. <laughs> so spidey beats up the jackal while miss marvel whisks dr rosario away and then she hops back in and helps spidey beat up the jackal, and then he Spidey grabs her device, and he sees that, oh, Dr. Rosario set the self-destruct on it because she didn't want it to fall into the jackal's hand, but unfortunately the self-destruct is not going to kill everybody, so thanks, Dr. Rosario. <laughs> That's cool. A little, a little weird. <laughs> it is, and then the device explodes. Spidey can't um, stop it in time, and... Spidey's like, oh, this, after the explosion, he's like, oh, it feels like an orc stomped on my head. Why would Spider-Man say that? He's not a fantasy-based character, Stephen. And he's never been associated with being like a, a fantasy nerd. It's not like this is, you know, like a geeky, like a geeky sci-fi fantasy nerd character. Like, why would Spider-Man say that? He would say something like, wow, I feel like the Kingpin just stomped on my head. Or Rhino just stomped on my head. But okay. And then Miss Marvel goes, geez, uh, kid, did you have to take breaking the glass ceiling so literally? Get it? Get it, Steven? That's funny. And so then we learn. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought for a moment that you didn't realize what was happening. I'm like, did he really? Yeah. No, no, no. Missed no. it? Nope. <laughs> then we realize that, oh no, Peter and Miss Marvel, it's like Freaky Friday, Steven! It's Freaky Friday. They've switched bodies. This is so fresh and so new. So where fresh. did Ewing so ever? Exciting. Where did she ever come up with this idea? She's a fresh face for Marvel. Rock. 100% oh. fresh. 100% wow. 100% face. Oh, and they're both like, I'm you. And, and here I am. You're me. Ah. <laughs> and then, guess what, Steven? We now get to have the same story told to us, but now from Miss Marvel's perspective. Oh, boy, I get to read the issue all over again. This is what you would call as really good plotting. Wow, makes for an exciting read. Wow. Thanks. So we get to burn a, a, a page of uh, Miss Marvel getting ready for the day full of it just, it's just pointless jibber-jabber with her mom. It doesn't matter. And then her on the bus, doesn't matter. Pointless jibber-jabber for two pages. But we do know they're on a school trip to Empire State University. Mm -hmm. 
And then we see them in the crowd waiting for the keynote speech and Peter giving the keynote speech. And in there, I mean, boy, I mean, Ewing is not going to let you forget that Dr. Rosario is seriously effing smart. <laughs> I mean, we get dialogue after dialogue. How I, I get it. Mm-hmm. I get, she's literally the smartest human on the planet. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. We can move on now. I kind of got that drilled into my head in the beginning of the issue. I wonder what would happen if they put that her and like another one of their smartest people on the planet like together. Like who would be the smartest? Ooh. Her. Her? Her would be the smartest? Her. Her. That's her. hard. It's yeah. Because that's my which her you, you mean pick. the movie her? Yeah. The one with Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix? That was a good movie. I like that one. <laughs> Doesn't matter who you pick. It's her. 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 <laughs> Whichever her it is, she's the smartest one. <laughs> Carol Danvers. <laughs> Yeehaw! And so, um, okay, she's not one of the smart ones. Um, no, fair enough. <laughs> in all fairness, she's not written as very smart. Anyhow, no. but uh, after, after we go on for like literally a page of dialogue about how genius Rosario is, uh, we then get to her giving her keynote speech on our amazing program, and then we see the jackal appearing on the scene to crash the scene, and then we are right back to where we were before with Peter and and, and Miss Marvel beating up the jackal and her rescuing the doctor, and then the bomb going off, and then they're getting switched in their bodies. Jesus Christ, I had to read it all over again, Stephen. <laughs> wasn't that creative the first time. Uh, Marvel team up number one, Stephen, what do you think? Um... <clears throat> I, uh, I it's an issue. It's uh, yeah. I don't know. The thing that I was looking for the most here was okay. What what is the point of this? I know what the point is, but I want them to tell me what it is in the comic. It's Spider Man, the former teenage superhero, is now old enough, and there's a new generation of teenage superheroes, and now he has to be the one to show them the way. Yes. Um, they did not establish that. <laughs> no. But the, given with the fact that they share a total of, what, like, maybe seven pages together, and they yes. don't actually really interact. No. Um, I thought that, um, I do agree with you that it is fairly boring. It is pretty boring. nothing happens. Oh. I... <sighs> I mean, at the beginning, I didn't quite mind Spider-Man's thing about, you know, how, you know, the, about, you know, when, when we were younger, and yes. doesn't it, it's like, okay, well, this, okay, this is going to lead into what this is about, right? Mm-hmm, uh-huh. It's what it's going to be about, right? Uh-huh. And um, I, now I just have to assume that that's what it is, because it's never brought up again. Oh, wait, no, it's brought up when he sees her, because apparently they went to school together. Yes. Even though we have never been introduced to her before. Yes. Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, I guess you don't have to know every character, right. but it's like I don't really get a sense of their connection. Oh, if I they totally had agree. Any. No, it feels totally superficial. So I'm like, okay. It's like, okay, well, the jackal. I, I thought he had a, a, dec- a decent one-liner about, um, oh, well, now I'm not the most controversial ESU graduate yes. in the building, which is yes. kind of funny. Very nice. Um, and... I don't know. It's uh, it's like I, it's like I told you yesterday. Is, yeah, it's not as painful as I thought it was going to be. But not it's as painful just, as Rob Liefeld's major X. Uh, <laughs> well, nothing is as painful as that, where you're you're laughing but you're like crying. Like, <laughs> 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 but at least, you, you, Steven, at least I was entertained. 
Liefeld's Major X number one may have been a total shit show. Oh, yeah. But at no. least I was freaking entertained. Marvel team up number one was like having to eat a bowl full of tapioca pudding. <laughs> it was it's, boring as hell. It's bland. Yes. <laughs> it is blander than bland. <laughs> and that's the problem. I mean, it's one thing to be bad, but at the same time, you know, while still being stellar. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I think the worst sin you can do is just to be freaking bland. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. That's, uh, I was actually just about to say the same thing. I just, I don't, I can't do anything with a comic that I have no feeling for. Yeah. It's, I agree. It's literally the worst because if yeah. it was, if it was bad, then I would know I would have some kind of like, and listen to response. this is what's wrong with right. it. This is what we can improve on or whatnot. Um, if, if it's good, of course, you know, that's fantastic. I just, nothing. No, it's just I a bowl full of meh. Yeah. I almost missed the back half of it because I was like, oh, it's over. Okay, cool. Then I was like, oh, wait, no, there's more. Oh, no, there's <laughs> more. Why? <laughs> but, yeah. Why do you hate me? Yeah, especially since this was a last-minute edition. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Was the science worth it? I don't think so. <sighs> I think you did this because Kevin gave it a good review. So that's the kicker. Kevin gave this thing, Stephen, eight Night Girls at a 10 for the story, and I cannot wrap my head around that. I mean, dude, that's cool, but holy cow, this is so unbelievably uncreative and boring. Yeah. That, I mean, you don't know, it's, 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 I didn't run away from it screaming like it was covered in disease. Yeah, it was just yawning so much. I was just yawning like, okay, <laughs> all right. Yeah. And it read like it read like it was written by someone who knows nothing about superhero comics, mm-hmm. like literally knows next to nothing about superhero comics. But that's the thing. I mean, Ironheart Ironheart's not great, but it's better constructed than this. I think she did a better job with the character. Uh, that's Riri. true. You know what I mean? Like yeah. while the issue was boring and slow, and she didn't really display much of a uh, much of a feel for how the format works in, in formatting a comic book story. She at least really did a great job giving us an actually fully developed character in Riri, which is something we never got under Bendis. Yeah. So while the issue was boring and slow and awkward, mm-hmm. at least it had really good character work. There wasn't even good character work in this. I mean, it's like bland. Yeah. It's like, okay, Peter Parker, he's supposed to do jokes, so I'm just going to give him some jokes that, by the way, weren't that good. Witty yeah. dialogue's hard. It is hard. Witty dialogue is hard. I think people think that it's easy. It's not. Witty dialogue is difficult. Yeah, it is. You know? And she can't do witty dialogue very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Miss Marvel, again, it's just, it's more of the same with that character. There, yeah. there is there is no there to that character. There's nothing to the, I mean, there's nothing to the character other than what she is. Yeah. She's a Muslim American girl. Mm-hmm. Done. In high school. That is the sum total of her character. There is nothing to her. Never has been, never will be, because she wasn't created as a real character in the first place. That's the problem Mm -hmm. with all those characters. They're not created as real characters, and she does, Ewing does literally nothing. I mean, nothing to give Miss Marvel anything that would even be remotely confused with a personality at Mm -hmm. all. I mean, Ms. Marvel is is just the personification of the color beige. (laughs) You know? 
Yeah. And that's the problem. The, the character work is utterly missing. The dialogue is super generic. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. It's not bad like Life was bad. Well, yeah. Bendis is bad. annoying yeah. and bad. No, this wasn't bad. It was mm-hmm. just, but it wasn't good. It was just boring. Yeah. It was just vanilla. The whole thing was vanilla. And the plotting was bad. Yeah. That was bad plotting. Mm-hmm. Restarting the issue in the middle like that, and yeah. then redo—that's that's bad plotting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the pacing was man, and the story is super freaking shallow, Stephen. This story is crazy shallow. <laughs> you know, it just feels—it feels like a paint-by-number story to me. Mm-hmm. There's no imagination. There's no creativity. There's yeah. no passion. There's no heart. There's no excitement. There's no energy. It's just. I'm here like a dookie plop on the sidewalk. You know, don't step on me. Uh, I mean, I just, I, I, yeah. So just really blah. And I don't know why you would come back for more. If you're a Spider-Man fan, you get way better Spider-Man stories on Amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Way better. And on Friendly, and on friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yep. Way the heck better. So don't spend your money on this. And if you're a Miss Marvel fan... I don't even know why you would like it because you get more Miss Marvel on her own title. Yeah, that's right. So I, I don't know who this is designed to appeal to Kevin. at all. <laughs> Kevin. Other than Kevin. <laughs> but I don't know who it's designed to appeal to. And, and furthermore, it does nothing. It does nothing to get the people who don't like Miss Marvel mm-hmm. or find her boring or find her to be nothing more than created for an agenda and be poorly poorly fleshed out mm-hmm. i mean any char- characters can't rise above how they were created and yeah. who writes them mm-hmm. they can't so if you never if, if you if you don't create them as a real character and you don't give put a real talented writer on their title they're gonna suffer mm-hmm. okay i'm sure that if grant morrison wrote miss marvel i'd become a huge fan of miss marvel yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know i would sure because sure. if you pair a real writer with any almost almost any character, Stephen, mm-hmm. because he wouldn't write her as just an agenda. Mm-hmm. He'd be like, "No, I'm going to make this a real character. Let's break let's break it all down mm-hmm. and build it back up again." And so you got to find the right writer. And yeah. I, Marvel needs to start hiring actual superhero comic book writers. They really do. They mm-hmm. they really do because you're getting a lot of stuff like this. Yeah. Which is just wow, just so unspirited, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it doesn't even do the job of of winning over fans like you or me who don't really care about the character. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't care about Ms. Marvel. I mean, I don't publish the title; doesn't matter to me. I don't, I don't buy it. Yeah, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're trying to get me interested in the character, if you're trying to use Spider Man to give her the rub, like you do in wrestling, you know, you put <laughs> kind of the, the the new guy that you want to be a big guy, yeah. your big name wrestler, you put him with the popular one to get a little rub from the popular one, right? To get endorsed mm-hmm. by the popular one, a little bond connection, yeah, right? Well, if that's what you're trying to do with Spider Man, that's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea. But she doesn't do that here. No, she doesn't do that here <laughs> at all. So. Yeah. It requires some character interaction. To yeah, do so it doesn't even do what I think the goal was intended. I mean, I, sp- I guess the title is supposed to be about them. Yeah. So I thought it was going to be about him, and it was like a rotating roster of characters, but I guess it's not. It might be. It could be like every four issue, you know, like every story yeah, arc. Every story arc, yeah. 
God, don't go six issues on this. <laughs> I know, right? Please don't. Yeah, so, but the art was nice. Yeah, it was. It was okay. It, was right. I mean, it wasn't great, but no. it, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't horrible. It, it had its moments. <laughs> uh, how would you grade out Marvel Team Up number one? Um, I, I mean, I've been on record. I'm not a big fan of these all new, all different characters. Um, I don't. It's not that I, there's not potential there. It's just well, all characters have potential. Well, sure. And it's just that I just don't find them very in, intriguing or interesting in any way. I think I think Jim Dub does a better job with her on Champions, and that's because she has an actual personality. I don't right. do I like it, not particularly, but it is a personality. Right, right. Um, and Spider Man, I mean, he's written the same way everybody writes Spider Man. Yeah, like it's just said. super generic. Yeah, it's just so. I mean, but like you said, I didn't hate it. It's perfectly middle of the road yep and that's what i'll give it five for the writing mm-hmm. and um i will give the art i'll give it a seven okay. yeah, it was fair it was, enough it was good yeah it was solid it's solid yeah. with it with a better story it probably could have gone up a little higher but yeah you know. i agree i would um i'm right there with your writing it's just straight down the middle mm-hmm. it's bland it's a five night girls out of ten mm-hmm. that's what it is you don't hate it you don't like it it's yeah. just there and the art i'll give it uh six night girls out of ten mm-hmm. mm, close enough yeah. all right my friend yeah it's i don't know i mean i wasn't a big fan of the original version of the title but at least i recognize that oh that is a character yes yeah yep it's just not one that appeals to me yep <laughs> right um, all right, the War of the Realms, Stephen. Oh, that's number the thing. one. That's right. Marvel's big event mm-hmm. brought to us. Uh, wait, which big event is this? Marvel's big event. Oh, is there not? A, oh, uh, they don't have five more going on. They do. Oh, they do. More oh, that, coming. Oh, that's right. More coming. Don't worry. Yeah. Okay. More are coming. Yeah. Uh, this is written <laughs> by Jason Aaron and drawn by Russell Dowderman. Mm-hmm. And Stephen, in this one, basically, you have all the realms are fighting, right? <laughs> I, I can get to you. I, it's, you got it. It's, let me sum it all up for let you. Me sum, let me sum it up for you. It's called War of the Realms. <laughs> right. You got Malekith, the leader of the Dark Elves, right? And he runs the Dark Elf Kingdom. And his force includes Loki, Euler, Lord of the Trolls, Curse, Malekith's Enforcer, Laufey, King of the Frost Giants, and Loki's biological father, Cinder, Queen of... Muspelheim. Uh, uh, um, Muspelheim, daughter of Surtur, uh, Queen of Heaven, ruler of the Warrior Angels, the Enchantress... And Dario Agar, who's a shape-shifting CEO. On the good guy side, Stephen, we have Spider-Man, Jane Foster, Punisher, Daredevil, Captain America, Black Panther, She-Hulk, Iron Man. Ooh, they called her She-Hulk. Ooh, someone's in trouble. Um, <laughs> Iron Man, Carol Danvers, Blade, Ghost Rider, Robbie Reyes, Doctor Strange, and Wolverine. And then the Asgardians, Thor, Odin, Freya, Thori, Sif, and Hildegard. So we begin in Asgard, and basically all the realms are in ruin, Stephen, mm-hmm. right? Because the dark, the realm of the Dark Elves have teamed up with some of the other uh, realms, including um, the ones of uh, the Frost Giants mm-hmm. and the Muspelheim. Muspelheim. Yeah. And if you played God of War this last year, you know you know who it is. <laughs> gotcha. Also teamed up with Heaven, right? Yeah. And in return. We've had uh, Vanheim has fallen, Asgard fallen, Alfheim with the Light Elves fallen, Nidavellir where the dwarves are fallen, um, Alfheim fallen, the under the underworld fallen. Yeah. So that's what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. 
And we cut to Asgard, and we see the Bifrost, the Rainbow Bridge has been destroyed. Steven, I'm getting like the Thor Ragnarok vibe here. And yeah. we see Odin. He's the only one left. Everyone else has escaped. He's the only one left. And uh, three, uh, one, two, three, four dark elf assassins show up, and they kill Odin. How is Odin, <laughs> the All-Father, the god of gods, taken down by four elf assassins? Really? That just seems unlikely. But anywho, we then zip over to the New York Harbor. Newark. Harbor, sorry, mm-hmm. not New York. There you go. And Thor's there with Thori, and he's been sending all of his hammers out into the the realms, to the ether, to find a way to get back to um, the realms, right? Mm-hmm. To pierce the void between Midgard and the realms. Right. And so far, none of the hammers have returned. And then suddenly, poof, guess who appears on the scene? Loki, and he's got two swords through his midsection. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Ugh! And Thor's like, you coward, you teamed up with Malekith, you bastard, and Loki's like, Malekith turned on me. He doesn't trust me. And now he's coming. He's coming to Midgard with all of his monsters. And then we see four dark elf assassins. And mm-hmm. Steven, all of a sudden, all <laughs> the hammers come back. Four <laughs> Thor hammers come back. <laughs> and they boom, take out all the dark elves. And then you see Thor, one hammer on his side, one in his left hand, one in his right hand. A fourth one flying toward him. And he's all like... <laughs> Boom, boom, boom. Glory shot all the de- defeated elves behind him. And it's mm. like, okay, that, that, that's a hero yeah. shot. That, mm-hmm. That's a badass hero shot. Aaron, Aaron, you got to give the guy credit. That, mm-hmm. that's, that's a good moment. <laughs> and so he, and he tells Loki, get up. It's time to finish this. Mm-hmm. Loki's like, I can't. I'm dying. He's like, yeah, get the hell out of here. Take me to Malachip. <laughs> I don't believe you. And he picks him up from it by his neck. And he's like, don't make me pull out those swords and shove my hammers in their place. Mm-hmm. And so Loki's like, okay, I'll take you to Malachip. And they disappear. And, oh, before they disappear, Thor tells Thori to go alert the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And then we see, oh, no, they're not where Malekith is. They're in Jotunheim, where the Frost Giants are. Mm-hmm. And Loki's pulled his swords out, and he's licking the blood. And he reveals, he ain't Loki. He's mm-hmm. Malekith. Oh, snap. Oh, Our boy it. has been duped, Stephen. <gasps> and then we see, it gets worse. We're now surrounded by a bunch of Frost Giants. Mm-hmm. And Thor's like, you know what? going to take more than a few measly frost giants to stop me. So he whips out his hammers and starts fighting him, and Malekith teleports mm-hmm. away from the scene. Mm-hmm. We cut to Spider-Man, zipping through the Bronx, and he's like, man, it's been an awesome day. Nothing's happened to me. <laughs> I've had this has gone right for me, and this has gone right for me, and you know what? That means it's time for me to wait for it. Spider-Sense, boop, goes <laughs> off. He's like, of course. Yeah. I like that as well. <laughs> and, and Aaron's has a track history of, of writing Spider-Man's character back from the Spider-Man Wolverine story that he did. Mm-hmm. It was really, really good Spider-Man. Yes. So he does a nice job here. And uh, Spider-Man sees that Dark Elves are now attacking Freya. So he lands on the roof and helps Freya defeat them. And then Sif shows up along with some of the, the uh, Jane Foster. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, no, this, this means Malekith is here. And the War of the Realms is going to take place on Midgard. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Aaron goes a little bit too overboard with the Wii dialogue from Peter Parker in this moment. Just a yeah. tad bit too overboard. Mm-hmm. But, okay. And then we cut to Doctor Strange, realizing what's happening. He's chanting some spells, right? Mm-hmm. Doing his thing. Daredevil goes, Ooh, I feel something <laughs> weird going on. And Wolverine feels something in his bones. He orders one more drink. He's getting ready to have to kick some ass, right? Mm-hmm. He feels it coming in his bones. Punisher's on. I love this. Punisher's on the rooftop. He's killed a bunch of criminals. He's got one criminal left. About to execute him when suddenly the 
armies of Malekith teleport on the scene. Mm-hmm. Frost giants, fire demons, ang- war angels, dark elves, goblins, trolls, trolls everybody. Great splash shot, by the way. Yeah. And Punisher, that's great. He's, the criminal's like, holy crap, we're being invaded by the Lord of the Rings. Run for your lot. Lo- and then it's cut off because Punisher goes, wham, just kills him. <laughs> I Punisher like, doesn't miss a beat, does yeah. he? And then he runs for someone who's about to die. <laughs> just wish I brought a bigger gun. You see him like, shooting at the frost giant. Yeah, jumping at a frost jumping giant. Jumping at a frost giant, firing away. I was like, that's so awesome. Yes, it is. Punisher's a good character for Jason Aaron to write. Mm-hmm. I would love a Jason Aaron Punisher title. That'd be fun. That'd be a lot of fun, wouldn't it? Yes, it oh, would. Oh, God, that'd be great. Mm. Anyhow, um, so Daredevil joins the battle. So we're seeing all of our heroes join the battle that we listed in the beginning of the issue, mm-hmm. right? And the Avengers are all on the scene, and they're all battling away. Mm-hmm. And we got good action, and the Avengers are being caught up by Freya on what's going on with the War of the Realms, right? Mm-hmm. Um and so they keep at one point Brunhilde calls Spider-Man Spider-Boy. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hey Cap, I'm like an honorary god now. She's like, cease thy gibbering, Spider-Boy. Actually, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh then we see teleporting on the scene all of the assembled bad guys like Enchantress and you know mm-hmm. all the ones that we mentioned in the beginning. Right. And Malekith. They all arrive on the scene, right? And they're called the Lords of Asgard. Mm-hmm. And Malekith is all given his bad guy speech about, you guys are all dead. You know, you better surrender now. We're going to kill you all. Blam! Gets hit in the <laughs> face by Captain America's shield. That was perfect. And Captain America's like, Avengers assemble. And then Freya's like, for Midgard. And Spider-Man's New York is for lovers. I'm like, what? Like, he writes a good Spider-Man. Then he just, but he yeah, just takes it like, he just takes far. it one step too far where I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, no. And by the way, as Virginia Steven. Yeah, that's, that's Virginia's uh, for that's, lovers. That's our thing. Come on, that has been our ad campaign since like God, I don't know the '60s. Mm-hmm. I mean, holy cow! And and like an iconic ad campaign. Like I have, mm-hmm. I have fraternity brothers like California who knew the Virginia is for lovers. Yeah. Thing, it's Aaron did that a few times. In the, I like I like how Aaron does Spider Man. Yeah. And I liked a lot of his dialogue, but they're just like he just went yeah one step too far a couple of times. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyhow, then see we see uh, Laufey scoops, you know, smashes all the heroes and then scoops up Freya and then out of nowhere, someone slices off Laufey's hand. Mm-hmm. And it's Loki, the real Loki. He's mm-hmm. like, Malekith, I killed the assassins you sent after me and now I'm going to kill all you people, you bastards, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And at this point, uh, Lauf, uh, uh, Malekith is battling Loki and Doctor Strange now arrives in the scene. He kind of casts a spell. And he's like, everyone needs to get the hell out of my realm. And at this point, Freya's like, Loki, how am I supposed to trust you? You know, and Loki's like, I'm really on your side. And Freya's like, you, are, you, just, make a, you just make a hash of everything. And then Loki's like, look, Thor's trapped in Jotunheim. He's not dead. And you can't stop Malekith without Thor. We got to go get him. And Freya's like, why should I ever believe you? And um, Loki goes, you should believe me because of this. And Laufey scoops him up, and basically Loki's like, you know, I'm your greatest sin, you know, you having birthed me, you'll be nothing, you're, you know, you're basically a nothing, the only thing you've ever done is had me. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and Loki's like, and my sin is that, you know, you know, I tried to love his dad, he tried to give him a chance, mm-hmm. and that was my greatest sin. So it's kind of like this father, this weird father-son moment that 
both characters are having, right? Right. Loki realizing I should never have tried to have a father-son relationship with you, mm-hmm. and Laufey going, you're my shame, and I never loved you anyway. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing, right? And uh, then we see Laufey throw Loki into his mouth and chomp him in half. Mm-hmm. And he eats him. Wow. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, it, 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 and Robbie Reyes, oh, God. So <laughs> yeah, Loki's just been eaten. And Robbie Reyes goes, oh, wow. I know I'm new here, but that was super gross, right? I think I might throw up. Like, why is Marvel determined to write all these all-new, all-different heroes so stupid? <laughs> why do they do that? <laughs> do they not realize that they always make these characters look dumb? And I don't know if they're trying to make them funny and endearing, but they always come across as like a fart in the elevator. Mm-hmm. You know? Just, ugh. Anyhow. So the battle resumes between our good guys and our bad guys, right? Mm-hmm. And then we cut to the Land of the Frost Giants, and we see Thor. This is a badass blast shot. He's got one hammer, one hand <laughs> spinning, another hand, the other hand spinning, lightning everywhere, and he is just freaking demolished every frost giant around him. Yep. All of them. <laughs> and uh, he's like, I'll flood this room with your blood. The God of Thunder will be the doom of you all. Uh, it was I like how he's, Thor has enough hammers for every knave in Jotunheim. <laughs> it just is such a badass glory shot. That's the end of the issue. Mm-hmm. Steven, uh, this was a fun read for me. Mm-hmm. It's, I gotta give Aaron credit. It's action packed. Mm-hmm. It is fast paced. Mm-hmm. It is well plotted. Yeah. It moves forward with a clear purpose in mind, mm-hmm. a clear point, clear direction. There's no navel gazing. There's no meandering. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he hits the ground running. He starts this issue. He starts it fast, and he drives forward. Mm-hmm. And each scene builds off the next in a logical fashion. Yeah. I mean, this is very tight. I mean, this is super tightly plotted and super tightly paced. Mm-hmm. Really good. Really yeah. good job there. The character work, I liked it. Despite a few quibbles here and there, for the mm-hmm. most part, the character work, I mean, it's a large cast of characters, so yeah. I mean, you're, you're only going to be able to do so much. But the two main characters, Thor and Loki, mm-hmm. clearly the two main characters, sure. Thor being the, he's going to be the main character for the whole story. Yeah. I thought the character work on both Thor and Loki was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, fantastic, Stephen. For the first time, Aaron, since the first time that Aaron took over Avengers, Aaron writes Thor as something other than a punchline mm-hmm. or a joke machine, a dipshit joke machine. Yeah. He actually writes him as a god, a regal, mm-hmm. badass thunder god. Mm-hmm. Finally, Thor has some genuine depth to his character. He has some gravitas. Yes. He, it, it, to me, this character needs gravitas. Mm-hmm. It's really good. And Loki, beautiful, beautifully done, very complex very conflicted. Mm-hmm. There is a real dichotomy to Loki's personality and he puts it on full display. The scene with him talking to Freya and then his father, Laufey, before he gets eaten is mm-hmm. just fantastic dialogue and fantastic character. Work. And it really shows that, that duality to Loki's nature and the conflict that rages inside of him that makes him one of the most compelling and intriguing Marvel villains. That's why people love this character so much. Mm-hmm. It's so much easier. He is such a tragic character mm-hmm. who tries and fails. And it's like he wants to do right, but he can't. 
Yeah. And then he hates himself for it, but then he does it again. It's, mm-hmm. it's, that makes for a compelling character, though, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I think the character work and the dialogue for those two characters was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. The character work, the, the dialogue for Spidey was good. It went a little too far a few times. Sure. And I think some of the, uh, Aaron gave some witty banter to, to Daredevil. Daredevil that seemed way, way out of place. Yeah. That's not, Daredevil's not a jokey character. No. And in, in, when you make everyone a jokey character, it ruins the personality of the one character who is jokey. That's mm-hmm. Spider-Man's shtick. So when you make everyone else have his shtick, it makes Spider-Man seem less special and mm-hmm. less unique. So you're hurting the other characters and you're hurting Spider-Man at the same time by doing yeah. that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that was my only criticism as far as the character work and dialogue would be concerned. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, Everything else, fantastic action, tons of action, yeah, tons of action, uh, and it's fun. Yeah, it it's is. fun. Mm-hmm. It's fun. I mean, compare and contrast this to Heroes in Crisis, <laughs> where nothing goes on. You're yeah. meandering around. Mm-hmm. It's boring as hell. This is what you want with a big event. Yeah, and freaking entertain me. This is the combo equivalent of a summer blockbuster movie. Mm-hmm. Well, what was your take? Um, I mean, I would agree with that. I. I mean, the thing about Thor and the comedy is that what makes Thor funny is people's is either his inability to understand our culture right. or people's reactions to him. Exactly. Like Thor should not be stumbling around like a drunk almost. <laughs> like a total um, buffoon. Yeah, acting like a moron. It's just not it's not appealing. He it's should not, not be Randy from uh My Name is Earl. Yeah. Or <laughs> or Randy from South Park. <laughs> or just anybody named Randy. <laughs> um but it's, it's so it's good it's good that he's writing him like he did when he was writing Thor and not how he writes him when he writes the Avengers, which yes. is such a strange It's weird. Yeah, you feel like it would be consistent, yeah. but it's it's not. No. Um but yeah, I'm glad to see him back. I I hope this that I think this is Aaron's last Thor story. So I, I hope this so. is where he gets Mjolnir back and he gets yes. to you know be the you know proper well, Thor. Don't, don't you kind of get the feeling that this is where Aaron he tore Thor down, mm-hmm. he stripped him of his hammer, mm-hmm. he made him unworthy, he took his mantle, yeah, and exiled him. Mm-hmm. Don't you feel like this is where Thor gets his rebirth moment? His return to grace mm-hmm. moment where he proves that he is worthy. He is the God of thunder. He is the son of Odin. Mm-hmm. He is the grand hero that this is his, this is the moment where Aaron puts him back to where he should be. Um, I certainly hope so. I it hope seems that's I hope like it's, it's going that way. I know that I think Mjolnir is destroyed. I think that was right. part of the problem, mm-hmm. but, um, um, yeah, I hope that I'm 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 hoping for a scene where like he like while they're fighting and he's trapped that he goes and reforges it or something like yes. that that he has to actually make it himself. Yes, and that would be really, really cool and really and earned. You know, agreed. It's been it's been a long time since he was actually Thor. Yes, and um, I think that I mean I agree with you. I think some of the the witty banter is um, uh, unnecessary at points, but. At the same time, I like, um, like I like what he did with the Punisher. Just that one. Oh, little that was moment fantastic. Was great. Oh god, it was so good. I agree. Um, I agree. I liked the uh, Captain America hitting Malika in the yes. face. That was shield. awesome. That was awesome. Um, just those, you know. I mean, even there were a lot of cool 1980s action movie yes. moments, weren't there? We were like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of those moments, right? 
Yeah. I mean, uh, 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 the Dark Elves being taken out by all of Thor's hammers. Mm-hmm. Punisher shooting the Frost Giant. Malekith yeah. getting the shield in the face. The final page with Thor swinging both hammers, killing all the Frost Giants. Like, mm-hmm. those are those cool 1980s, oh, yeah! <laughs> the kind of moments where you stand up, oh, yeah! kind of moment. <laughs> Which is important. Yeah. Makes it fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's what makes this, I mean, not just a 180 from Heroes in Crisis, but a 180 from any other event. Dude, Marvel's seriously. For forever. No, seriously, it is. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's, it's finally a, a fun of, event. Yes, it's fun. It's, it, God, it they haven't done one like that. well plotted and well-paced. There is a purpose here. Mm-hmm. It feels like the culmination of something yeah. as opposed to just... You know, whatever. But it's also it. It is new reader friendly. Totally it, it new gives reader you friendly. All that you need to know. Absolutely new reader friendly. Totally agree with you on that. It's fantastic yeah. in that way. I mean, Aaron does a great job. Yes, giving you, new readers everything they need to know to enjoy this to the fullest extent. Mm-hmm. Just awesome. And um and of course, but the reason a lot of this works is because of the art. Yes. It, Before we get to the art, though, I want to say one yes, thing. Okay. I do love the roster. I like how Aaron mixed up. Big time characters in the Avengers, mm-hmm. big big uh, uh, magic based characters like the Asgardians and Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. along with super street level characters like Daredevil mm-hmm. and Spidey and Punisher. Mm-hmm. I, well, more more Daredevil and Punisher than Spider Man. Sure. Uh, really, it's Punisher and Daredevil because it allows for the rest of the event for us to get different perspectives of what's going on. Mm-hmm. We're going to see it from the big name heroes and the cosmic, uh, the, you know, magical characters, and then you're going to see it from the everyman Punisher Daredevil kind of character, which mm-hmm. can allow Aaron to give you the different right. viewpoints, which should be fun. Sure. Which I, I like that. Um, that was the only thing I wanted to add about. I yeah. like the, the roster. I like how I like who he who he picked, mm-hmm. and I think all the characters they pick will work well with his style of writing right, as well. Right. But anyhow, yeah. the artwork. Yes. Um, Gorgeous. What is his name again? Okay, so his name. I'm not familiar with him. I have. Yeah. I, I, I have to say, either, I've, I've never. I've, I've never seen anything with his art before. But Russell Dowderman. Oh my God! Okay. I want to marry you. <laughs> <laughs> this issue is gorgeous, Steve. Yes, it is. This is big event worthy mm-hmm. artwork. I mean, big event worthy artwork. Dowderman. You, uh, Aaron writes a great story, but Dowderman brings it to life yes. in all of its glory. Mm-hmm. It looks grand. It looks epic. Mm-hmm. I mean, the splash shot when all of Malika's forces are rampaging through New York. Oh, my God. Yeah. The splash shot where Loki gets eaten. The splash shot with Thor whipping his hammers around. Like, so many big splash shots that just are stunning. Just yep. jaw-dropping. The, the detail to his art steven mm-hmm. it is so it's sumptuous how detailed it is it's, a, it's just gorgeous i read this issue steven and i loved it mm-hmm. and then i reread it and just stared at the artwork yeah because <laughs> it was so beautiful yeah and you notice how uh he draws Loki like tom hiddleston well not a huge fan of that personally. That's just me. That's just me. I like my comic characters to look at my comic characters, and my movie people to look at my movie people. I don't need them to look the same. Yeah. But that's um, just me. But I mean, whatever it is what it is. I mean, uh, like, don't start drawing Captain America look like uh, Chris Evans. Mm-hmm. You don't need to do that because then it stops looking like a comic book and it looks like one of those weird, you know, those mm-hmm. comics back in the day when they they do a Star Trek comic, they draw like right. caricatures <laughs> rather than you know characters. Anyhow, yeah. Um... 
so I mean the, the I mean you nailed it with the art. The art is just fantastic. Um, it really makes it feel like, like you said, like a big event. This is important. Look at all of this stuff that's going on. Um, I really liked how easily identifiable everything is. Yep. Like you know, sometimes when you have like a monster mash, they all kind of mm-hmm. look kind of samey. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. like I mean, there's a there's a giant bug that's on fire, and then there's the Ross giant, then there's angels. It's very somehow clear and then to make everything <laughs> out. Yes, mm-hmm. and that just makes it more cool because it makes you want to look and see yes. what's back there. You want to study every detail. Exactly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's and honestly, that's that's what a great artist, especially on a big event, should yes. do. Yes. So, um, I I need this guy to get more work. Amen, brother. Um, stat and immediately, I'm, please. I'm excited for the next issue. I mean, I like I like the story, but I just want to see more of the art. Steven, it's been a long time since I've been excited about a Marvel big event. Yeah. It's been a long time. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, it's been yeah. a long time. Mm-hmm. It really has been. Uh, how would you grade out War of the Realms number one? Um, I'll give the writing a seven, and I'll give the art a nine. Beautiful, beautiful yes. nine. Yes. I will mm. give the writing seven night girls out of ten as well. Okay. And I will give the art a big fat ten night girls out of ten. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I went there. <laughs> I went there, Steven. There you, all right. There you go. All right, my friend. Let's wrap this thing up, shall we? Sure. Let's go home with Uncanny X-Men number 15. All mm-hmm. right? Yeah, this issue, Steven, Rosenberg does the words. La Roca does the art. Mm-hmm. And uh, the team for this Uncanny X-Men, it consists of Cyclops, Wolverine, Havoc, Magic, Wolvesbane, Karma, Mirage, Multiple Man. With the exception of Karma, um, this is a fantastic roster. Mm-hmm. A fantastic roster. Yeah. Dark Beast has always been a bad guy. Yes. Um, and yet he's they somehow let him around. Still. Yeah, it's unusual, isn't it? And they're, yeah. all, and they're all hanging out, and th- their home base is uh, the basement of Harry's Hideaway, well, a dive bar. Yeah, and Captain America pays him a visit, and basically talks to Scott, Alex, and Wolverine like, "You guys, uh, you can't take prisoners and just keep them here. You're gonna get in trouble. You need help. I'm not here to tell you what you do, but I'm here to tell you I will help you no matter what. Please reach out to me. Gives him his card. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever, whatever. Long and short of it is, Cap leaves, and Wolverine and Scott are like, "Look, we can't trust anybody, mm-hmm. including Steve Rogers. Mm-hmm. Period." Um. We then cut to because they're they're trying to battle the mutant liberation force mm-hmm. back up to the no good of killing humans. Yes, and dealing with the X Men that were vanished into that weird X Men thingy. Correct. Yeah. We then cut to um to uh, what's his name? Oh, what is his name? Uh, the guy with the uh, Jono. Yeah. And uh, he's getting picked on some by some humans who hate mutants, and they're at a big press event for I guess a speech from a politician named Prestel. Yeah. Female politician named Prestel. Mm -hmm. And uh, the MLF is there to kill her because she must be Mm anti-mutant and kill all the people in the crowd because they're all anti-mutant. And the X-Men are there to stop the MLF. We get a big brawl. Uh, During the brawl, Cyclops goes one-on-one with Hope. Mm -hmm. And Hope uh, shoots Cyclops in the eye. That's not good. No. And then she blasts, uh, powers up her Phoenix power, and roasts Wolverine. Yeah. Full force. Point blank. Mm-hmm. Gone. Then she gets on her rifle, and she goes to shoot the politician. And she does. Mm-hmm. Assassinates the politician. Miss Pretzel. She's done. And then we see Schnicked, and there are two claws. 
six claws each, mm-hmm. two fists worth of claws, right through her chest. And we look behind it. Wolverine's all like burnt. Yeah. Like, see, his, <laughs> see his adamantium skull. It's yeah. awesome. And he's mm-hmm. like, he's like, she's like, you were too slow. And he goes, I don't care about the politician kid. This is for Cyclops. Any last words? And she's like, La Revolution con Saturn Devor says, Propé enfance. And he's like, Works for me, you pretentious little. Then he's like, Lifting her up with his claws. And I'm like, Yes! Please kill her off. The fewer Summerses from the future that we have, the better. Kill all of them off. Literally, there should be Scott Summers, there should be Cable, and we're done. Yeah. All the rest must die and must die with fire. Kill them all off. <laughs> and we then cut to Dark Beast. He's uh, spent six days resuscitating Cyclops, but unfortunately Cyclops has lost an eye. Really? <laughs> this character's just come back to life, Steven. Mm-hmm. And they've already he's already lost an eye. Come on, really? It's like, can we just have a little stability, a little status quo for a little, just a, more than two issues. Yeah. And then uh, we see that Hope is not dead. Damn it. Yeah. Really? They got to start killing off. If Hickman does anything, Stephen, mm-hmm. he has to cull the amount of characters mm-hmm. in the X-Men. He just has to. There's too many. And mm-hmm. lots of them nobody cares about. Lots of them. Mm-hmm. And for sure, way too many from all the different past, future, presents, alternate realities. You just got to start. Yeah. I mean, I as far as I'm that. concerned, the only ones you have from a different reality is Rachel mm-hmm. and Cable. And you're done. And even that, I think, is pushing it. That's pushing it. Not Bishop? Well, no, I meant for the summers. Oh, is, sure, sure, sure. Uh, and, I mean, well, the and problem, Bishop would yeah. be the only one I would include from any other alternate reality. I mean, you got to really pair. You got to pair yeah. it down. Yeah, make it simplified. And there are way too many freaking Summerses. Mm-hmm. It's just this is too yeah. much. They didn't even have to name Hope Summers because she's not actually <sighs> no a Summers. It's just Cable adopted her. Yeah, it's just it's too. It, yeah, it's just yeah, too, it's much. too much. Yeah. And a lot of these characters are lame and unnecessarily so. Thank you. And then we find out that oh dear, evil beast, dark beast. Has um, when he healed Scott, uh, he said that his skull is barely held together, and with his eye beams constantly firing, he runs a perpetual risk of blowing his own head off. So, uh, but when he increases his focus and intensity like that, the risk of such likelihood becomes a likelihood of of happening. So, if he ever tries to power up to fire, he's going to blow his head off. That's mm. the longest sort of it. Yeah. So, again. Steven, it's like, he just came back. Can we already not remove an eye and then make it so he can't use his powers? Like, we need some... X-Men badly needs some status quo. Like, really badly needs it. Mm-hmm. Anyhow. Uh, the status quo is that everything sucks. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and then we see that um, Danny has been cured from her techno disease, and mm-hmm. so has the little character that nobody cares about. <laughs> um, she. Well, the best is they make a big deal about Danny. She gets a big hug from Scott, and they talk about how oh she's awesome, awesome. And then he's like, oh you too, that's nice. And she's the other character like off to the side. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyhow, Sean, that's her name, right? Yeah, and, that's but Karma or whatnot. Yeah, but she's just he's like he's just like oh you too, yeah, like man, like, like <laughs> right. 
anyhow, and Wolvesbane is is free of it as well. Mm-hmm. And so, and then they're like, well, what did they do with it? What did they do with the virus? And Evil Beast is like, well, it's more of a parasite. And luckily, I found a host that was totally ready to consume all of it from all three ladies. And that would be one of the duplicates, one of Jamie's duplicates. Dun-dun-dun. Mm-hmm. And you see one of Jamie's duplicates there, and he's like, hello, friend, please kill me. End of issue. Okay. Steven, X-Men, Uncanny X-Men 15, what'd you think? Um, I mean, I I was not a big fan of uh, Matthew Rosenberg. I liked the multiple man stuff that he did. I thought that was fun. Um, and But I have liked this since... They got rid of all the unnecessary other X-Men crap mm-hmm. and just focused more on Cyclops and Wolverine and um, their little team of X-Men. Um, I do I do like that... It sucks because most of my favorite X-Men characters are gone. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I, I kind of like this... Um, I mean, it, of course, they're back to... They're on the they're on the run. Yep. They're being hunted down. Nobody yep. trusts them. Yep. It, it it's the vintage X Men. <laughs> yep. 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 But I'm like, okay. Well, at least we're at least we're starting to get back to something kind of resembling the X Men. Hopefully, Hickman will turn it into something a little different. Yep. And not you know just another rehash of something. Mm-hmm. But um, I like the way that they handled Scott Summers and Wolverine. I like mm-hmm. I like to see them back together. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like you. I'm not a fan of ha- him having getting shot in the eye. I have the feeling that's not what's going on. I think Dark Beast probably did something to him that mm-hmm. is making all this happen so right. we'll go back to normal. Um, I I like the stuff with Captain America. I think one of the best things when Scott Summers came back was mm. that. Um, he confronted Captain America about, well, you said you were going to help us. What are you doing here mm-hmm. protecting this rally of anti-mutant people or whatnot? And I think it's interesting because because of this thing with Fox, and even before that, the X-Men were so separated from everything yes. else. Yes, yep, yep, yep. So it's, it's cool to see them finally get to go back and play with everybody else. Totally agree. Much. Yeah, totally agree. And um, I like that I, I like that he... That Rosenberg doesn't choose to write Captain America as a bad guy. Yes, he's like he wants to help. Yes, he you know, but he's being hamstrung by mm-hmm. something. But he's still willing to do it anyway, even though he'll get in trouble for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that. I, I, for the most for the most part, I like the writing on the characters. Mm-hmm. I think they they are separated enough in terms of how they talk mm-hmm. that you know it's like okay, well that's. It's it's good enough writing for a roster that I mean for me it's a good roster but it's mm-hmm. you know I don't have to have you know that character have a big speech in this issue right right <laughs> they can, right they can be a little quiet this yeah. time yeah um, I I really like the action scene with um, the MLF I thought that was really cool mm-hmm. um, especially mm-hmm. with Wolverine just <laughs> just gutting that the, was the highlight that of the was issue. so cool highlight of the issue. Um, and it just made couldn't happen to a better character. Yeah, it just, <laughs> it just reminded me, uh, and also reminded me of poor Banshee. I know. Put him back. God, can please Hickman just return Banshee back yeah. to normal for Christ's sake? As and I, I know, I know where all that comes from, but like Enough. when when Revender brought him back, he wasn't like that. He wasn't yeah. all skinny and haunted. Yeah. It was just they just had to unzombify him. Right. So it's that's sad. I'm like, that sad. That was. But um, other than that, I mean, 
I think it's perfectly it's I think it's good overall. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm interested to see what happens cuz um the the is that the war, is that the um it's not warlock it's the yeah, warlock. It's warlock. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, there's Adam Warlock. And warlock. Yeah, 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 right, right, right. Too many warlocks. Too many warlocks. <laughs> um, so that's interesting. Yep, agreed. To see that that's that's what's coming up, and the explanation that you know he spread himself out so he wouldn't hurt his friends. Yes, so warlock is clearly yes still alive. Yes. So we'll we'll see what happens, mm-hmm. but um, I mean I liked it overall. I mm-hmm. thought it was a solid a solid issue. Definitely, yeah. I, oh, I totally agree. It's a it's a nice, dependable, solid read. Yeah. It's uh, you which know, is what the X Men need. I agree. They really do. The yeah. plotting <laughs> is perfectly good. Mm-hmm. It's logical. It's got a good flow. The pacing is solid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's got a clear direction in mind. So the plotting and pacing. Good job. Sure. Nice and dependable. Mm-hmm. I love the roster. I love Cyclops. I love Wolverine. I love Havoc. I love Magic. Always been a fan of Wolves Bane. Mm-hmm. And I like that she has hair now. Yay. And uh, <laughs> the little things in life, Steven. Yes. <laughs> and I like Mirage. I've always loved uh, uh, Mirage. Mm-hmm. She's awesome. Always loved Multiple Man. So, hey, Karma, she sucks. But still, the rest of them, it's a there's great gotta roster. Be, there's always got to be, be one. right? always got to be one character you don't like. But um, it's a great roster. I like Dark Beast. And I think all the. I think Rosemary does a good job with the character work. Mm-hmm. I think everyone has a pretty good, pretty pretty fairly well-fleshed-out personality. Yeah. Pretty darn good dialogue as well. Again, nothing is brilliant, but sure. it's nice. It's nice. Mm-hmm. It's nice, dependable, steady uh, writing, which honestly... What you said, you're right. This is what the X-Men need more than anything. It's just nice and steady and dependable. And mm-hmm. this is what Rosenberg brings to the table. And it's a fun issue. You got some good fighting. You got some badass fighting with yeah. Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was just amazing. That whole scene yeah. was a phenomenal <laughs> scene. That was just such cool badass action. Yes. That was such a cool moment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and a really cool hook ending, um, you know, with, uh, you know, Oh, the warlock, warlock yeah. all appearing in Madrix, uh, one of Madrix's dupes. So good hook ending, lots of twists and turns. Uh, you know, it's, it's in its balance, good, nice character work, some slower scenes with nice character work, moving the story along, some good action to get you excited, a couple of badass, yeah, cool hero moments, and mm-hmm. then a great hook ending to get you to come back for more, moving the story along logically. I mean, this is just good quality, solid, solid superhero comic. Mm-hmm. So... What's not to like, right? Yeah, and, right. And and yeah. I, and hopefully, teeing this up for Hickman. Yeah, that's. I'm definitely hoping that that's the goal here. Yep. Because agreed. Good lord, and good. I'm ready for that. <laughs> and I like Laraka's artwork. Yes. I've always liked Laraka. I've always uh, thought he's a good artist. I even like how there's one close-up where he has like a protest, uh, one of the protester yelling, mm-hmm. and they do a close-up of his teeth, and his teeth aren't quite perfect. It's yeah. like nice. It's like, but it's like, it's the details. It's yeah. real world. Like it'd be so easy just to draw, whoop, 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 you know, yep. clean lines. But he takes the time to, or to no. draw them gritted. Right, exactly. <laughs> he takes the time to draw to make it look real. It's it's a nice little detail touch. Yes, and it, it sounds dumb, but to point out. But whatever. It's I don't think it's dumb. Um, <laughs> he did his job. Yeah, he did and it well. I think he does a good job of facial expressions and uh, the action scenes look cool. I just I just like his art. I think he's a good artist. Yes, so. He is. Nice looking issue. 
Um, how would you grade out Uncanny X-Men number 15? Um, I would give the writing a 7, and mm. I'll give the art an 8. I adored Salvador Loraca, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm right there with you, actually, Stephen. I'm going to go the oh, same okay. with you. 7 that goes out for the writing, and 7 that goes out of 10 for the, uh, for the artwork. Yeah, lockstep right there. All right, my friend. How about that? Not yeah. a, a little up and down, a little up and down with the comics this week. A little yeah, up and down. Way, way, way up and way, 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 way down. I know, and I know. The, in between. Too. A little bit in between. <laughs> I might have to say, though, that the star of the week was uh, Matrix number one. Oh, of course, yes. It, the greatest it, new character it, to ever be introduced. It, I, Steve, you know, you know I'm going to read number two. Oh, I know you're going to read number two. <laughs> I can't help myself now. <laughs> I can't turn away. <laughs> And on latest, that, the latest adventures of Sergeant Dumbass. I know. <laughs> on that terrible bombshell, Stephen. Until yes. next time, viva la revolución. <laughs>